Welcome to the Royal Ramble Podcast on this Thursday, March 16th. Happy 316 day, everybody. Give me a hell yeah. We are inching closer and closer to WrestleMania season. We're just a couple of weeks away, and this is the Royal Ramble Podcast. I am your host, Brian Sendek. With me, as always, is my good friend, the co-host, Ryan Motoround. Ryan, give me a hell yeah, man. How you doing, buddy? Hey, Brian. Give me a hell yeah. Happy 316. Uh, it's great to be on on this uh, special day for wrestling fans. It's pretty cool. Absolutely, man. And we have a lot to cover within the next two hours. A lot has gone on over the past week since we the last time we were on. Uh, a lot of reaction, a lot of recapping on this show. Of course, we're going to give our weekly recap uh, for Monday Night Raw, SmackDown Live, and NXT. But we also got to give our full reactions to both the Ring of Honor 15th anniversary show. A lot went down in Las Vegas last Friday night, uh, including a huge title change. Give our reactions to that. Plus, a very controversial New Japan Cup so far. A lot of upsets in the first round. Some that were very shocking, others that were not. We're going to give our reactions so far to that as the New Japan Cup continues to roll on. Uh, also, we got to get in some UFC talk. We had a big weekend of fights last weekend uh, in Brazil. A couple of big fights took down at Fight Night. Uh, some other fights that have been announced in the future, plus some more news going on with Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. Is the fight getting closer? And later in the show, if you guys have been following our Instagram page at Royal Ramble Wrestling, today we're going to unveil our picks. For our Wrestling March Madness bracket, of course, we, we constructed four brackets. Uh, brackets for U.S.-born wrestlers, Canadian-born wrestlers, United Kingdom-born wrestlers, and Japanese-born wrestlers. Myself and Ryan are going to give our bracket winners today, and that will be in the second hour of the show. Before we get into everything, though, guys, if you want to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at Royal Ramble IYR. If you want to follow me and Ryan personally, I'm at B underscore Senec 95. For Ryan, it's at Ryan underscore Martirano. Uh, if you want to like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Royal Ramble Wrestling. And again, follow us on Instagram at Royal Ramble Wrestling. If you guys happen to miss us live here on itsyourradio.com, you can always subscribe to our show on both iTunes and Stitcher. So let's get right into it, Ryan. We'll start it off with the 15th anniversary show of Ring of Honor, which took place last Friday in Las Vegas. Um, crazy show. Uh, another tremendous show put together by those at Ring of Honor. I mean, we've been talking about Ring of Honor for the past couple of weeks in terms of what their future is going to look like. They've lost a lot of key talent over the past couple of months. More talent should be on the way out pretty soon. And we kept asking about what's the future going to be like for this company? How are they going to fare with all these losses? And when you think they... Are, their backs are against the wall. They find a way to put together more tremendous shows. And this past show, Friday night, 15th anniversary show, was a tremendous show put together by Ring of Honor as so much went down, including a major title change. That's right. Christopher Daniels 
at age 47 is your new Ring of Honor World Champion as he dethroned Adam Cole. It was definitely a shocker to me, Ryan, because we both predicted on Thursday that Adam Cole was going to retain this championship, that he was not going to lose the Christopher Daniels. And I personally said that even though it's expected that Cole's going to drop the belt pretty soon, as he has been linked to the WWE for some time now, and his contract is coming up in the month of April, that he is going to drop this belt pretty soon. But the question was, who is going to be your next champion? And to be honest, I did not expect it to be Christopher Daniels. But when you think about it, Ryan... When you look at the storyline and you look at Christopher Daniels' journey throughout Ring of Honor, he makes the most sense to be your next world champion. I mean, Ring of Honor has been known for years that they're not really good at telling good stories. All right? They're mostly known for putting together great matches. The storytelling has been fine, but not as great as you know WWE or New Japan Pro Wrestling. Ring of Honor is really not known for constructing memorable stories. This will go down as one of the greatest stories Ring of Honor has ever told with Christopher Daniels. I mean, if you watch this promo before the match he had with Adam Cole, one of the best promos of the year by far. I mean, and maybe the best promo in the career of Christopher Daniels. All right? He was one of the founding fathers of Ring of Honor. When it started in 2002, you, know, you had your AJ Styles, you had Daniel Bryan, you had Nigel McGuinness, you had CM Punk, but Christopher Daniels was one of the founding fathers of that company. And for all those years, he never, ever, once was Ring of Honor World Champion. And he told this story of 24 years he's been wrestling since 1993 that his one dream goal is to become Ring of Honor World Champion. And everybody doubted him because he was an older wrestler. He wasn't the same Christopher Daniels that he was back in his glory days in TNA and, and early Ring of Honor. But... What Christopher Daniels said in that promo, he basically said that I don't care what happens to my body, I will put my life at risk. I'm not. I don't care if I'm bleeding. I don't care if I've broken bones in my body. I'm gonna do whatever it takes to win that championship. And when you watch that match, Ryan, what he said was true. You know, he was bleeding from the face. He was getting beaten up barely by Adam Cole, but he kept coming back. And I basically predicted Cole was going to win simply because that Frankie Kazarian was going to interfere and cost his former friend the championship. Because, of course, on television, Ring of Honor television, Frankie Kazarian turned on Daniels and he joined the Bullet Club. And I thought that was going to be um, a big thing down the road for Kazarian. I thought he was going to be full-time Bullet Club. And we were wrong, Ryan. It was all a swerve. It was all a prank on the Bullet Club. So that Christopher Daniels can walk out the new Ring of Honor champion. Here comes Kazarian down to the ring. He's got the Ring of Honor World Championship in his hands. You think he's going to hit Christopher Daniels over the head with it. Throws the bell away. Takes off the Bullet Club shirt. And he's wearing the Destiny shirt. That new shirt coming out for Christopher Daniels. And from that moment on, Ryan, I said Daniels is going to win this match now. There's no way he's not. He's not. There's no way he's losing this match. Three best Musou ever's later. And he is your new Ring of Honor World Champion. And I got to say, a big congratulations to this guy. I've been watching Christopher Daniels for such a long time. He was one of the first guys that I, you know, recognized in TNA when I started watching it back in 2004. I remember the first match I ever watched in TNA history was a tag team match. It was America's Most Wanted, and that was Chris Harris and James Storm versus a tag team called Triple X, which was Elix Skipper and Christopher Daniels. And I remember watching that match saying, holy crap, man, this guy Daniels is pretty damn talented. He has a good future ahead of him. And we know the rest is history. He's gone on to become a great singles competitor in TNA, in Ring of Honor, and so many other places. 
And many people call this guy the godfather of indie wrestling. And to see him become the new Ring of Honor World Champion, holding both the old championship and the new championship at the same time, if there's anybody that deserves that honor, if anyone deserves that moment to become Ring of Honor World Champion, it's without question Christopher Daniels. So a big congratulations to the Fallen Angel. He's now the new face of Ring of Honor. He's your new world champion. And in terms of Adam Cole, it is now a definite guarantee, Ryan, that this guy, by the end of April, going into the summer, he is bound for WWE. If he wasn't bound for WWE, I don't think this title change happens. I think he continues on as champion. But with him dropping the belt, it's a definite now that this guy, in all likelihood, is going to be in WWE by the summer. Definitely around July, maybe August, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what month it is. This guy will be in WWE very, very soon. But once again, a memorable night for Christopher Daniels, and in my personal opinion, one of the greatest moments in the history of Ring of Honor. Yeah, absolutely, without a doubt, it was a great moment. Uh, very shocking, actually, too, because you know me and you didn't predict this. Uh, you know, again, I was looking at the Super Card of Honor. A card that's going to be you know coming up on WrestleMania weekend, and I really didn't think that Ring of Honor would do anything to jeopardize those matches that they already have set in stone. But I guess I was wrong, and you know it's funny. Uh, a couple of hours before the Ring of Honor pay per view went off the went on the air, um, you know on Twitter, the Ring of Honor Twitter account did tweet a picture of that Destiny shirt that you uh, were talking about before, which was made just for Christopher Daniels. I'm sure you can only get that shirt at the event, or maybe you can get it online, but the one at the event specifically had the date on it too it said 310 17 so it, it was kind of uh you know it was kind of fishy in a way i was kind of looking at that like hmm okay okay why would they customize a shirt for this guy sell it if they didn't plan on you know capitalizing on this moment for him tonight uh so when frankie gazarian came out boy was that shocking to see him pull off the bullet club shirt wearing the same destiny shirt and like you said, Brian, from right then and there, you knew that Christopher Daniels was winning this match. I just love how it all went down. It, it really, really, like, just, it, it was very, very well done. Uh, you know, again, me and you talked about this numerous times before. Frankie Kazarian did not fit in a Bullet Club. I, I'm so glad he's not there long term. Uh, again, I'm not sure if this is something that they changed last minute. I'm not sure if they actually did have long-term plans for this guy in the Bullet Club or if they just, like, you know, pulled an audible because they wanted this moment for Daniels. I'm not too sure, but I'm glad they did it the way they did. It wouldn't have been the same if, if Christopher Daniels wins the Ring of Honor world title and Frankie Kazarian, his best friend for years, cannot be there to really celebrate with him just because he's on the other side of the fence now. It just wouldn't have seemed right, so I'm glad it worked out the way it did. And like you said, how can you not be happy for this guy this is one of the guys who has been in the business for so long he's paid his dues he's worked hard he's been a class act he just goes about things the right way so if there's anybody deserving of this championship win it's without a doubt christopher daniels and now we'll see what they do for super card of honor um, i'd assume they have to switch around the whole entire card because uh now the Adam Cole Dalton Castle match for the world title obviously not going to happen, and then uh, Chris Daniels was supposed to face Frankie Kazarian, and now Kazarian's back on his side. So I'm not really sure what they're going to do, but uh, should be interesting to to say the least. So uh, you know, like you said too, Adam Cole looks like he could be WWE bound. I mean, uh, you know, it's getting more and more obvious as the days go on. 
uh, you know, a couple of things on Twitter too. If if anybody pays attention to uh, the elite videos with the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, uh, you know, there's a lot of tension there, a lot of teasing of Adam Cole, you know, separating from the Bullet Club. He, he fired the Young Bucks at the live event. So I mean, we'll see what happens. But as each day comes, it seems more and more likely that Adam Cole will end up in the WWE at some point, which we all expected. So. Uh, we'll see how this all plays out, but like you said, a great moment for Christopher Daniels to close out the pay-per-view last Friday night. And that was not the only thing that went down on the 15th anniversary show. So much happened throughout the show. I mean, the Las Vegas street fight match between the Hardys, the Young Bucks, and Rapungi Vice was just tremendous. It was one of the best hardcore matches that I've seen in a long time. I mean, the spots in that match were so intense. I mean, the thumbtack spots... The ladder spots, you know, the garbage can spots, it didn't matter what it was. All the spots in that match that introduced the hardcore weapons were just tremendous. I mean, hell, we saw a Meltzer driver happen on a bed of thumbtacks. I mean, and my condolences to both Trent Beretta and Rocky Romero. Those two guys are a great tag team, but those two got an ass beaten in that match. Those two took the worst bumps in that match. I mean, Tremperetta got super kicked in the face with thumbtacks in his mouth. That's a PWG moment, by the way. Um, you know, Rocky Romero got Melter Driver on a bed of thumbtacks. I mean, Beretta also got Swanton bombed through a table by Jeff Hardy. They went through a lot in that match, and my respect to go to goes to, goes to those two guys. But the mo- most of the focus in that match was, again, the Hardys and the Young Bucks. I mean, it felt like the Rapungi Vice was a little bit of an outcast. The story is, of course, the Bucks and the Hardys. They have a tremendous rivalry going on. The Hardys took the way, took the belts away from the Young Bucks. They're getting their rematch at Supercard of Honor and a ladder match now that was announced. But that match was absolutely tremendous. Great spots in the match. The Hardys retaining was no shocker. And we're going to see another encounter between the Bucks and the Hardys pretty soon. Uh, Leo Rush versus Marty Skrull for the television title was tremendous. You, you just didn't know... When that match was going to end, there were so many near falls in that match. But Marty Skrull winning the match was no shocker. I, I We said it on Thursday. Marty Skrull is going to be Ring of Honor World Television Champion for a very long time. Uh, Bully Ray and the Briscoes beating uh, War Machine and Davey Boy Smith was a very good match. Um, there's a storyline going on now between War Machine and uh, Killer Elite Squad as there's some tension between both tag teams. We've been hearing rumors now that War Machine could be getting a future IWGP heavyweight title match down the road and it could be against killer elite squad which means they could get the belts back uh, away from tomohiro ishii and toro yanu so that could be something to watch down the road but bully ray and the briscoes winning the match such a surreal moment seeing bully ray team up with the briscoes because let's be honest you know we look at the briscoes today they are today's version of the dudley boys they're a badass tag team that takes a lot of risk they have a badass attitude and when you watch them perform, you see the way they act in the ring and on the microphone. It kind of reminds you of the Dudleys when they were back in ECW. So to see Bully Ray team with Jay, Mark and Jay was so cool to see. And that was a good six-man tag team match. And then the other six-man tag team match the um, for the World Six uh, for the six-man tag team titles in Ring of Honor, uh, the Kingdom took on Dawn Castle and the boys. A very fun match as well, but. Uh, Condolences go out, uh, thoughts go out to uh, TK Ryan, a member of the kingdom who, in the match, did a springboard moonsault. And he was it was on uh, Dolan Castle and I believe Vinny Marseglia. He jumped off the ropes, he springboarded off the ropes too hard that when he was flying in the air, 
his legs or shins hit the guardrail. And from that moment on, when he hit the guardrail, you knew that something, one of his shins or both of his shins had to be broken. And we came to find out that I believe one of his shins was broken and that he's going to be out of action for a while as he had to get surgery. So condolences go out now. The TKL Ryan, and that's unfortunate news for the New Kingdom, is because they were on such a roll as the six-man tag team champions. This whole new group led by Matt Taven was working so well. But now with TKL Ryan is out of action. We have new six-man tag team champions. We'll find that out in the upcoming weeks on Ring of Honor Television. With the injury to TKL Ryan, uh, the Kingdom are no longer the six-man tag team champions. But everything was great about the show. I mean, even some of the other matches that were not announced. Um, you had uh, that you know that number one contender match for the television title, which Frank Kazarian won. Very fun match. And there were some other good matches as well on the show. So uh, a Bravo once again in Ring of Honor. They delivered a tremendous show. So many great moments. Christopher Daniels becoming the new Ring of Honor World Champion. Uh, a, a classic a Las Vegas street fight match between the Hardys, the Young Bucks, and Rapungi Vice. Marty Skrull continues his run as Ring of Honor World Television Champion. Uh, and some other great matches as well. And that led to a tremendous show for Ring of Honor and their 15th anniversary. So great show. And let's see what happens now as Ring of Honor will shift their focus to Supercard of Honor. Yeah, it was absolutely a tremendous show. I mean, definitely worth the money if you ordered it on pay-per-view. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I really did. Like you said, every single match was so good. And, and again, Ring of Honor never disappoints. It really doesn't. I mean, I've never seen a bad Ring of Honor show. Uh, I always enjoy the product. They always put on great matches. Everybody in that locker room always busts their ass to put on a good show. Like you said, even some of the matches that weren't advertised... Very, very good matches. The six-man uh, mayhem match, of course, Frankie Gazarian getting that future TV title shot. Very, very good match. It had a lot of great players in that match, and again, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, I, who's that new guy? Punisher Martinez or whatever his, uh, I think that's his name. Yeah, Punisher Martinez. He's good, Martinez. man. He, yeah, he's good. He's impressive. He really yeah. is. He could be a big-time player. I really haven't seen much of him uh, before last week, so very, very impressed with him. Uh, so that was a great match, you know, for them. Bully Ray teaming up with the Briscoes, like you said, that was very cool to see. Very cool to see Bully Ray in Ring of Honor. It, it really is. It's so cool to see him there. I think he fits perfectly. He said when he made his debut at Manhattan Mayhem, he said he's not here to win the Ring of Honor world title. He's not here to take over the spotlight. He's just here because, you know, this is the closest he thinks it could get to, uh, you know, ECW nowadays. And I totally agree with him. I think, you know, if there's any company that could remind you of ECW and how it used to be back in the day. It's, it's definitely Ring of Honor. So very cool to see Bully Ray teaming up with the Briscoes, who he has said that, you know, the Briscoes remind him mostly of him and his brother Devon. So uh, very, very cool stuff there. That was a good match, uh, you know, against uh, Davey Boy Smith and the War Machine. Marty Skrull and Leo Rush killed it. They absolutely killed it. I'm telling you, Leo Rush is going to be a champion in 2017. I hope he's a future TV champion. I really do because this guy absolutely deserves it. He is so damn impressive. It's unbelievable. That was such a good match. He tried pulling out all the stops. Just couldn't get it done. Marty Skrull kept kicking out, kept kicking out. At one point, Rush had to get the, the chairs, and he almost suplexed him through the chairs. He tried to pull out all the stops. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. Marty Skrull still the champ, which is great to see. But, man, what a damn match. I thought that was one of the best matches on the card. Uh, the street fight, like you said, just no words to describe that Vegas street fight. I mean, speechless at all the bumps, all the spots uh, by everybody involved. I mean, unbelievable. Credit to Rapongi Vice. They took one hell of a beating, especially Trent Beretta. Unbelievable stuff. The Hardys still got it. Jeff Hardy continues to impress in this day and age. I mean, I don't know how this guy's body is still intact. 
with the way he does things nowadays. It's just unbelievable. You'd think he would stop or, or tone down his wrestling style a little bit, but he doesn't. He just still does the same crazy antics, and it's unbelievable. And, of course, what can you say about the Young Bucks? They're just amazing. We all know that. And uh, now it's intriguing, too, with the Hardys winning, uh, taking the Superkick Party titles now. Now the Young Bucks have nothing, so it should be interesting come Supercard of Honor to see what happens there if the Young Bucks can regain their championships because now they have nothing left. So overall, I mean, like you said, Brian, just an unbelievable pay-per-view from Ring of Honor. Definitely one of the best I've seen in a while. Uh, again, they never disappoint, so if you're ever hesitant to order a pay-per-view, don't hesitate. Order it because it's definitely worth your money, I guarantee it. Well, those dreams, Ryan, of seeing Leo Rush becoming a future world television champion is highly unlikely simply because I just read a rumor and a report that Leo Rush is not going to stay with Ring of Honor. He's not signing a deal with the company, and he's basically on the way out. And that is terrible, terrible news for Ring of Honor. I mean, we've said it before yeah, that somehow this company still survives, but you still want to keep some of your talent locked up. And they have lost so much talent over the past year. I mean, you can just list the guys they've lost. Roderick Strong, Moose, um, Kyle O'Reilly, Cedric Alexander, uh, Mike Bennett and Maria Kanellis, uh, Donovan Dijak, the latest casualty, Keith Lee, a casualty, Adam Cole probably on the way out. And now they just lost your former top prospect in Leo Rush. That is bad news for Ring of Honor. I mean, you, they're just not finding ways to keep some of these younger guys because when you think of the future of Ring of Honor, you think that guys like Donovan Dijak and Leo Rush are going to be the future of your company, but both guys, former top prospect tournament winners, are both gone. And now we're seeing rumors that Leo Rush is heading back to Evolve Wrestling, which basically tells you that he's not staying in Ring of Honor because Ring of Honor does not have a working relationship with uh, Evolve Wrestling. Uh, or you have to think Rush will be doing other stuff on the independents as well. That's unfortunate news because I, I saw Leo Rush as a big-time player from Ring of Honor in the future. He's very young. He's talented. He's got a bright future ahead of him. But just another loss for Ring of Honor. And now you ask the question, who's next? I mean, they got some guys locked up long-term. Jay Lethal, uh, the Young Bucks, of course. Uh, Christopher Daniels is going to be there for forever, basically. I never see Daniels leaving uh, Ring of Honor, not going to WWE. But you just don't know who's going to be next leaving the company. I mean, they've lost a lot of big names, and Leo Rush is the next guy to leave. And that's unfortunate because, again, Ring of Honor has to focus on building young stars for the future. And some of their top young stars that they had uh, for their future, guys like Donovan Dijak, uh, Cedric Alexander, and now Leo Rush are all leaving the company. And that's unfortunate because I thought Leo Rush was going to be a big-time player in Ring of Honor. So unfortunate news there, and we'll see where Leo Rush goes from here. Right now he's going to evolve, but you know down the road, Leo Rush is going to be open for a lot of things. And we'll see what, what's in store for the young uh, up-and-coming star. Yeah, it's definitely uh, you know interesting news right there. I, I was not aware of that, but yeah, you know, again, you know, the future is bright for Leo Rush. Wherever he goes, whatever he decides to do, I'm sure he'll succeed. Uh, the sky's the limit for this guy. He's just too damn talented not to succeed wherever he goes. I did see he has, is on the Evolve cards, uh, WrestleMania weekend, Evolve 81, I believe he's on that card. Uh, so it, you know, we'll see what he does. It, it is a shame for Ring of Honor though. Again, you're losing a, a really, really incredible talent here uh, that you got on your hands. You got a future star, let me tell you, because this guy just never ceases to amaze me. Every single time he's in there, the things that he does, 
I mean, he's just unbelievable. He's a small little guy, but he's very agile, very athletic, can do so much in there. I mean, uh, like you said, the sky's the limit for this guy. Wherever he goes, I'm sure he'll succeed. But, yeah, man, I mean, uh, I was not aware of that. That's, that's crazy to hear. But, like you said, another bad loss for Ring of Honor. And they've done this, you know, a lot lately, losing these stars that, you know, you would think they would want to try and hold on to. So, uh, it really is a shame. But, like I said, we'll see where he goes and wherever he does go, I'm sure he'll succeed. All right, let's shift the focus now to uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, of course, the last Thursday, our last show, we gave our predictions as well for the New Japan Cup. And both me and Ryan agree that we thought that Kenny Omega was going to walk out the winner of the New Japan Cup. And, well, Ryan, we were both wrong. And we were wrong on many other levels. As in the first round of this tournament, we witnessed a ton of... A ton of upsets in the first round of the New Japan Cup. Here are the first round results. Um, Hiroshi Tanahashi, who has been the longtime face of New Japan Pro Wrestling, eliminated by LIJ member Evil. Yuji Nagata over Tangaroa, no surprise there. Michael Elgin, who you would think that he's now a full-timer in New Japan Pro Wrestling, is going to get a big push. He lost to Bullet Club member Bad Luck Fale. And Toru Yanu knocked off Bullet Club member Tamatanga. Uh, Katsuyori Shibata defeated Minoru Suzuki. Very good match. That was uh, a tremendous first-round matchup. No surprise there. Uh, Juice Robinson knocking off Yujiro Takahashi. No surprise there. Sonata over Yoshihashi. That was my pick. And uh, Sonata's a great talent. But Tomohiro Ishii knocking off Kenny Omega. A shock. It, it really was shocking. Um, I did not expect that. I mean, no disrespect to Tomohiro Ishii. He's a very good talent. But... I mean, Kenny Omega, you can make a case that other than Okada and Naito is your best worker. He's fully committed now to staying in New Japan Pro Wrestling for this year. If you're Gato, you would think that because he's loyal to your company and the match he came off of at Wrestle Kingdom against Okada, that he deserves this opportunity to get another rematch with Okada. But with him losing this opportunity, I mean, who knows what's next for Kenny Omega now? I mean, this was his one chance to get back in the title scene. Because let's be honest, the only the only other chance he had is at G1 Climax. But do you really see this guy winning a second straight G1 Climax? I don't see it. I mean, it's re- it rarely happens. So I thought this was his opportunity to get his rematch with Okada. And that's not going to be the case. And what makes matters worse is that he lost in the first round. It wasn't like he lost in the finals or the semifinals. He lost in the first round. Now, don't get me wrong. It was a tremendous match. I mean, Ishii and Omega had a classic. And it just shows you how great of a worker Omega is. And even Ishii is a tremendous worker, too. They put on an absolute classic. But it's definitely um, a puzzling decision to make because, again, you know, Kenny Omega is one of the world's best workers. And there's a story here where Kenny Omega is back in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's looking for vengeance and that he wants another shot at Okada. And now he's not going to get it because he lost this opportunity in the New Japan Cup. You know, it, it, it was an odd situation, but the match was tremendous. But the entire first round was shocking. I mean, Evil over Tanahashi was shocking. Bailock Fale beating Michael Elgin, to me, made no sense whatsoever. I thought Michael Elgin was going to have a big... A uh, big run in this tournament, not the case. Yano over Tamatanga made no sense to me either. But uh, that's New Japan Pro Wrestling for you people. They are unpredictable. And we also have some second round results as well. Uh, Shibata advances to the semifinals. He knocked off Juice Robinson. Uh, Balak Fale continues to roll on. He beat Toru Yanu. And Evil knocked off uh, Yuji Nagata. We're still waiting on the Tomohiro Ishii Sonata match. That has not happened yet. So right now... 
Evil, Berlock Fale, and Shibata are all in the semifinals. Uh, Ishii versus Sonata. I'm expecting Ishii to pick up the victory. And when you look at that Final Four, Ryan, you have to think it's going to be Shibata. I, I think, and, and to be honest with you, Ryan, out of all those four guys or five guys right now, that makes the most sense. It's Shibata. I mean, this guy. I don't think he's ever gotten a world title shot. If I can remember, he's been more of a mid-card guy in New Japan Pro Wrestling for years, whether it's him holding the Never Openweight title, the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. I don't think once in his career that he's ever gotten an opportunity like this. And out of all those guys, he deserves it. I mean, he's an incredible talent. He's a guy that has faced a lot of injuries over the past couple of years, but he's been working through those injuries. He's putting on tremendous matches, most recently with Zack Sabre Jr. He had a great match with Haruki Goto at Wrestle Kingdom 11. He also had a great match with Will Ospreay at the New Beginning Tours. He's a tremendous talent, and he deserves his opportunity. But if if for us fans, we have to sit there and say, what are they doing? I mean, how the hell does Kenny Omega, Michael Elgin... And Hiroshi Tanahashi not get uh, – how, how do they do not advance past the first round? It, it doesn't make sense to me, especially for Kenny Omega and Michael Elgin. I mean maybe Tanahashi too, but Tanahashi is on the older side. He's basically going to leave the company pretty soon. He's been contemplating retirement, and Evil's an up-and-coming star. But for guys like Omega and Elgin who are going to be here and be in big-time uh, uh, spots for the entire year – how in the heck do you not have these guys in the finals or the semifinals of your tournament? So it was shocking, but that's New Japan Pro Wrestling for you people. They are an unpredictable company when it comes to booking decisions like this. So right now, three guys are in the semifinals. We're waiting on one more match. Ishii versus Sonata should be a good match, but it is shocking to say the least. And now the question is, where does Kenny Omega go from here? And where does Michael Elgin go from here? What is their next plan in the future so shocking to say the least but again omega and elgin man you have to be questioning yourself on what gato and new japan pro wrestling is thinking of not having those two guys specifically and tanahashi yes not having those guys advance to the to the semifinals or finals yeah i mean you said it best that's new japan pro wrestling for you i mean very unpredictable uh this is what they do i mean you know you think they're going one direction and they go the total opposite I'm sure they know what they're doing. I'm sure. I mean, Gato is very good at, at booking this stuff. I mean, that's hence why New Japan is as good as it is. Um, I'm sure there's got to be a future title shot for Kenny Omega coming down the line. I'm saying Dominion, which is uh, the June event for New Japan. I'm saying that's when he gets his rematch against Okada, and I'm saying he could possibly beat him there because then they do have uh, a show in a couple weeks after that in California. And you would think they would want, you know, an American star to bring the, you know, to, to bring the, the belt, like, into the U.S. And, and, you know, represent the company that way instead of somebody like Okada. I mean, that was just a couple of, uh, you know, rumors I heard. But, again, who knows what they're doing. Uh, again, whoever wins the New Japan Cup gets a, a future title shot. But, you know, it is still a while away. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I think Tomohiro Ishii is going to win this thing. Or like you said, Shibata could possibly win it. But some of these decisions definitely don't make sense. Like you said, Bad Luck Fale over Michael Elgin. How, how does that make sense? Uh, you know, Toro Yano won, won the first round matchup. Uh, again, some of the other ones were, we predicted, right? But again, just very, very weird so far in the New Japan Cup. And I haven't actually been following it. I know like uh, Monday through 
today, I think, or tomorrow. Uh, they just have house shows, which uh, are not live on NJPW World. They're uploaded later on in the day, so uh, they have the results for you know the, the semifinals or whatever on there. And then I believe the finals are this Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I mean, very very weird that Kenny Omega gets knocked out. He had a classic match, like you said, with Tomohiro Ishii. I mean, that was so good. I mean, I'm telling you, Kenny Omega, like, I'm telling you, it's just a guarantee that every time he's out there, you're going to get a good showing from him. Just unbelievable action. Uh, and again, Tomohiro Ishii is one of the best stars in New Japan today. So uh, just a tremendous, tremendous match. But I was very, very shocked at the result. I couldn't believe it. I, I really, really couldn't. I thought for sure Omega was definite to win this tournament. And now it doesn't look that way. So obviously he got eliminated. We'll see what happens for his future. Again, I just don't know if this guy's ever going to become IWGP heavyweight title. I, I, I really don't. I don't think he's ever going to get this belt. I hope I'm wrong, but we'll see what happens down the line. But again, like you said, it just doesn't make sense, some of these booking decisions so far in this tournament. Uh, there is one positive, though, Ryan, that I look at this and these decisions they've been making in New Japan Pro Wrestling. The positive that I have is that they're introducing new stars, and that's the, the goal. If you're a wrestling company, you always have to look to the future, and you want to introduce new stars. And they're doing this with these first-round results. I mean, evil over Hiroshi Tanahashi – that's New Japan saying that we see big things in evil. And I see big things in evil. The more I watch this guy, the more I'm impressed with him. He's a very talented individual. He may be overshadowed by Tetsuya Naito and LIJ and maybe even Hiromu Takahashi. But don't get me wrong. Evil is a tremendous talent, and he's going to be a part of this company's future. So that's a good way to introduce him as a part of the future of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And the same goes for Sonata, who knocked off Yoshihashi, another LIJ member who's young and has a bright future. Juice Robinson's a young guy. He picked up a victory in this tournament over a veteran, Yujiro Takahashi. Uh, Bad Luck Fale's been around, but he's another guy that is quite young, that he could be a big part of the future. He knocked off Michael Elgin. That's the only positive I take out of these out of these booking decisions by New Japan Pro Wrestling. You always want to introduce younger, newer talent so they could be the next wave of talent to lead your company. Because guess what, people? Tanahashi, Shibata, Naito, Elgin, these guys are getting older year by year. They can't keep doing this year by year. Some point in time, you have to focus on introducing newer talent to lead your company. And right now, they're starting to do that with some of these younger guys. You know, like I said, Evil's a young guy. Sonata's a young guy. Juice Robinson's a very young guy. Uh, Belloc is not that young, but he's got a lot left to prove in New Japan for wrestling. Uh, and there's some other guys that are on the rise within this company. And that is a good positive that you always want to introduce newer talent. Now, yes, some of the booking decisions don't make sense. But that's the only reason why I see them doing this. And why Gato's giving these younger guys the win because he's trying to introduce to the fans of New Japan Pro Wrestling that, hey, it's not all about Shibata. It's not all about uh, Naito. It's not all about Tanahashi. Not all about Kenny Omega and Okada. We want to introduce the next wave of talent that is going to lead our company. They're expanding. You know, they're expanding their roster and they're giving these newer, younger talents the opportunity. And that's always great to see because there are companies today that don't give younger guys opportunities. <laughs> like WWE, you know, they always give their opportunities to part-timers at this time of year. But that's a conversation safer later. Uh, and I like that New Japan is taking this approach, but still, at some point, you have to sit there and go, 
Does that make sense? Did it really make sense for Michael Elgin, who is one of your top stars in your company, lose in the first round? Did it make sense for Tanahashi, who has been basically your John Cena of your company? Did it make sense for him to lose in the first round? Kenny Omega, who is probably your best wrestler other than Okada for the past year or two, did it make sense for him to lose in the first round to Tomohiro Ishii? Maybe not, but I get where Gato's coming from because, again, you know, wrestling companies, you always want to look to the future. The present's great, the past is great, but the future also matters. And you want to introduce newer talents. And looking at this uh, tournament right now, that's what they're doing. With Evil in the semifinals, Bailock Fale in the semifinals, uh, we saw Sonata possibly in the semifinals if he knocks off Ishii. That's a way of introducing newer talents, saying that, hey... These guys are going to be our next stars of the future. And that's great to see because you want to see newer stars be created in New Japan Pro Wrestling. But still, when you think about it, some of the decisions don't make sense. But like I said before, people, that's New Japan Pro Wrestling for you. They are unpredictable when it comes to booking. Like you said, Ryan, it looks like they're going in one direction, but they go in a different direction. You think they're going in a direction, but they go in a different direction. And that's what makes New Japan Pro Wrestling interesting because... They are unpredictable. They're not like WWE sometimes where it's predictable with their matches and their booking and their decisions. No, New Japan's not like that. I mean, look at Wrestle Kingdom 11. We all thought that Kenny Omega was going to become the new IWGP Heavyweight Champion. He lost. <laughs> he lost to Okada. We all thought that the Young Bucks were going to retain their tag team belts. They lost to Rapongi Vice. You just don't know when it comes to stuff like this. So... Once again, the New Japan Cup is still rolling on. One more quarterfinal match. I think that's taking place today or tomorrow. And then we're going to get into the semifinals this weekend. And like you said, Ryan, I believe Sunday or Monday is when we're going to have the finals. And we're going to see a new number one contender for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship pretty soon. My pick is Shibata right now. Ryan is Tomohiro Ishii. But guys, like we said before, we don't know what Gato's thinking, and New Japan Pro Wrestling is definitely unpredictable when it comes to things like this. Yeah, you make a really, really good point on on these some of these talents making new stars. I totally agree with you. Evil is really, really shocking me in this tournament so far. I mean, wouldn't it be something if he wins the whole entire thing? Again, not really up to speed with it, so I'm not even sure if I'm just talking uh, ridiculous right now. I don't know if he's still he if he's even still in the tournament. I don't know if he got eliminated, but if he's still in it, man, uh, I, I believe. If you win this tournament, you can go for any championship you want. I don't think it's just the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Wouldn't it be something if Evil wins this tournament and goes on to face uh, Naito for the Intercontinental Belt? I think that would be very, very cool to see. But again, he's really shocking me in this tournament. Like you said, it's great to see Sonata get that first round win. Uh, you know, it's just Juice Robinson too. I, mean, I know he got knocked out by Shibata, but still great to see him relevant. Great to see him involved and, and, and getting a big-time spot. He is a future, future star of this company. Uh, I, I could tell already. Uh, so like you said, I mean, it's a, that's a way to build new stars. And that's, uh, that's again, that's New Japan Pro Wrestling for you. It's unpredictable, but it's good. It, it, it's really, really good. You know, some of, the, some of the booking decisions I do question from time to time. But then again, they always end up making up for it by putting on a great show or just by pushing some some guys that, again, you don't really expect to be pushed. But again, they deserve it. Some of these guys really do. I mean, Evil is a good talent. 
he really, really is. And uh, you know, he had a great match with Tanahashi. Uh, you know, in, in the first round, that was just an unbelievable match. Uh, and again, you know, a couple of his other matches so far in this tournament, he is the real deal. So I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up winning this tournament. I really wouldn't. But my pick is Tomohiro Ishii to take on Okada. I think that would be just unbelievable. I mean, going back to the G1 Climax, these two had one of the best matches of that tournament back in the summer. Uh, so I'd love to see that match happen again, especially for the IWGP heavyweight title at this time. So it uh, would be very, very cool to see. But, yeah, that's New Japan for you. This uh, tournament is very, very interesting. But you know what? That's what makes New Japan great is by pushing these stars and by making things so unpredictable. Yeah, absolutely. So, again, the New Japan Cup will probably end by the weekend. We'll crown a new number one contender for whichever belt that person chooses. I think whoever wins that tournament is going to go after the world championship. I think it would be stupid if, like, let's say Evil wins the belt and he says, nah, I want to face for the mid-card belt. Nah, you want to face for the world championship. So, we'll see what happens. But, like you said, Ryan, it is a unpredictable tournament. And that and that's what's making this uh, tournament pretty interesting. So, let's now move on to the WWE. Another weekly recap for both Raw SmackDown Live. Live and NXT. Raw this week again was pretty average. I mean, the highlight of the show was clearly the uh, the ending segment between Stephanie McFoley, Triple H, and Seth Rollins. Of course, we saw the final night for McFoley as uh, general manager. It looks like he's on his way out, which is no shocker because. We've heard the rumors that he's going to be at his GM. Kurt Angle is going to be rumored to be the new GM. I'm not sure if I feel about that, but. I, I'm a supporter of Mick Foley, but it was it was kind of getting old to see him week by week. It was getting tiring to see him, so this is good for the good. It's good to have a change, uh, a new voice to be the GM of Raw. I might not be all that pleased that it's Kurt Angle, but still, it's a new voice, and, and we'll see what happens. But that ending segment with, with, between Triple H and Seth Rollins, Ryan was tremendous. I mean. Triple H is coming out, you know, he's confronting McFoley, he's getting in his face, blah, 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 threatening to fire his son who works for the WWE headquarters. McFoley brings Mr. Sacco out, boom, minimal claw on Triple H. Stephanie comes in, low blow to Mick, and when you think Triple H is going to beat up Mick, here comes Seth Rollins, and it looks like the knee's fine, Ryan. The MC, the MCL looks fine. He's running to the ring, he's running around the ropes, he's beating the hell out of Triple H after though Triple H gets the crutch, hits uh, Seth Rollins in the knee. But it's good to see, Ryan, that they're getting physical, all right? Because that's the question. You know, the build-up to this match, it's going to happen at WrestleMania. But the question was, Ryan, can these two guys get physical leading up to their match? Because that's still the question. Can Seth Rollins get physical when he's still recovering from this knee injury? And what we saw Monday, Ryan, is that he is ready, all right? The knee injury looks fine. He's running around. There's no side effects right now. He looks pretty good to go. And out of all the WrestleMania matches that are on the card this year... The most interesting one is definitely Seth versus Triple H, all right? It has the best story. There's a personal history between these two guys. I mean, Triple H cost Seth Rollins the World Championship. He costed him others, like an, another uh, the opportunity to be in the Royal Rumble. There is a personal history between these two guys, and it creates for a great story. And I'm looking forward to their match at WrestleMania. It should be awesome. Uh, hopefully the booking decision makes sense. If Triple H beats Seth Rollins, to me, that does not make sense. You need to have Seth win this match. It's more important to him than to Triple H. I mean, look, if Triple H loses this match, it's not going to kill Hunter. It's going to kill Seth Rollins, in my opinion, because Seth could really use this win. Um, but, yeah, that was a great segment overall. Between Triple H and Seth, uh, they got physical, which is good to see, which shows you that Seth Rollins is more than ready for WrestleMania. Other stuff that happened, though, not a lot. I mean, Shawn Michaels coming back to uh, talk to Roman Reigns about The Undertaker was pretty good. I liked the cocky attitude that Roman Reigns was uh, 
giving to Shawn Michaels, but it's basically saying that I don't care what you say, Shawn, I'm going to beat The Undertaker. I like that because Roman Reigns should be cocky, and that should be his attitude moving forward. I mean, he should stop being the good guy, the hero. He should be more cockier. He should be all about himself and not giving a shit what the fans say. We need to see more of that from Roman Reigns, but again... Who knows if we're ever going to see that with with Vince McMahon having this love affair and this goal of making Roman Reigns the biggest baby face in the company. He wants him to be the next John Cena. And I got news for you, Vince. It's just not going to happen. Roman Reigns is nowhere near the superstar and the talent that John Cena is. Is he a better wrestler than John Cena? That's up for debate. But in terms of charisma, personality... Roman Reigns is nowhere close to John Cena, right? That's something that John Cena has, and that's what people respect about Cena. The guy knows how to entertain. He is grand the microphone. He's been grand the microphone since he started, all right? Roman Reigns doesn't have that quality. He doesn't have that talent. He's good in the ring. He's grand. He's he's uh, got a great look, but when it comes to talking, Roman Reigns underachieves. He's not that great, so. I'm not, I'm not sure what Vince's love affair is with Roman Reigns when it comes to making him a, a babyface, but it's just not going to work. His best opportunity to become a star is for him to become a heel because I could see this guy as a cocky heel, a guy that doesn't care what people think of him. He's going to go out there. He's going to beat those guys you love up. Like The Undertaker, this is a perfect way to turn Roman Reigns heel. The Undertaker is one of the most beloved figures in the history of wrestling. This guy cannot be booed. It doesn't matter if Taker is heel or face. The fans still love him. What better way to turn Roman Reigns heel than to beat the holy hell out of The Undertaker? To put The Undertaker away for good. That will get heat on Roman Reigns. And that should be the place where Roman turns heel and becomes the guy we all want to be. A heel, not a baby face. But again, when it comes to Vince McMahon... Who the heck knows? If the guy has one goal set in mind, he's going to stick to that goal and he's going to try to achieve that goal for a lo- for as long as it takes. And that's a problem because guess what, Vince? Roman Reigns just doesn't have that talent to be the next John Cena. He just doesn't. Again, he's got a good look. He's good in the ring. But when it comes to connection with the fans, when it comes to charisma, personality, microphone skills... Roman Reigns just doesn't match up with John Cena. He will never match up to John Cena. I don't care if Roman Reigns cuts good promos week by week. He will never match John Cena's charisma. John Cena just has a charisma that nobody can match. He's that good on the microphone, people. But that segment overall was pretty good. Um, We'll see what happens in the next coming weeks between Roman Reigns and The Undertaker. We have two weeks left to WrestleMania. But as for the rest of the show, I mean, nothing else stood out to me. I mean, Dana Brooke turning face, uh, portraying Charlotte just does nothing for me. I, I have no interest in Dana Brooke. She's not a good talent, in my opinion. Uh, she may have a good look, but I don't like her on the microphone. She's not all that great in the ring. She does nothing for me. I mean, finally she turned face. This is a long time coming, but it just doesn't matter to me. I don't think it's a big deal. I just think that it's just a way that, to have Dana Brooke finally be on her own. She needs it, but down the road, I, I don't see her succeeding anyways. Uh, Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman's segment with Goldberg. I mean, I, I, I give Paul Heyman credit. He is great on the microphone. He's one of the best talkers in the business, period. If there's a guy that you want to teach you how to, how to learn to cut a promo, go to Paul Heyman. But, Ryan, doesn't it feel like every single week Paul Heyman cuts the same promo? It kind of feels the same exact thing. You know, Paul Heyman comes in. 
says about, you know, talks about how dominant his beast is, Brock Lesnar, basically destroying whoever Brock's facing, destroying the opponent, saying that he's going to be victimized, he's going to be conquered, blah, blah, blah. It's good to build up Brock Lesnar and how dominant of a, per, of a wrestler that he is, how dominant of a beast that he is. But it just feels like the same promo week by week. I'm not blaming on Paul Heyman, but you have to come up with something new when it comes to stuff like this, right? Paul Heyman can't cut the same promo every single week. It's going to get old. It might not be old now because people still buy into what Paul Heyman says. But down the road, if he cuts the same promo every single time he's on the microphone, it's going to get old. But overall, Raw just was not that special. The ending segment was very good, but other than that, just average once again for Monday Night Raw. We have two weeks left until WrestleMania, so we'll see what happens from now till WrestleMania for Monday Night Raw. But this week overall was just an average show. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. And what you said about Paul Heyman, you know, you're 100% right. And it's the same exact thing that I was thinking of. He comes out and says the same thing every single time. I mean, what more could you possibly say to build up this match? I mean, basically, this match is set in stone already from Goldberg beating Brock in, you know, under a minute to him eliminating him in the Royal Rumble. I mean, it's already set up. There's nothing more that Paul Heyman can say or Brock Lesnar can do to really build up this match. It, it just it's it's ridiculous at this point. But then again, that's how all these Brock Lesnar matches have been. Uh, I mean, it's the same thing. Paul Heyman comes out, he tries to you know explain this or oh, how how Brock's gonna conquer this, conquer that. Again, it's the same thing. And again, Goldberg not being there definitely doesn't help every single week. Again, you know. The part that frustrates me the most about these part-time guys when they come back. And you know what? I can't really say the same for Lesnar because he has been appearing a lot lately. So he's off the hook on this one. I'm talking mostly about Goldberg and The Undertaker. You know, these guys, they got... All right, so Goldberg comes back after a 10-year hiatus, basically. The least he could do is show up for every single Raw leading into WrestleMania. There was four Raws after Fastlane leading into Mania. The least Goldberg can do is show up to every single one. Nonetheless, they gave him the universal title. He, The guy has to show up. He has to be there to build this match. Again, I know it's set in stone already, but this guy has to be there. You can't just have Brock Lesnar come out with Paul Heyman, say a couple things, leave, and then that's a segment for the week. Again, next week, Raw at the Barclays Center. Goldberg is not advertised. Again, what is and Brock is. So again, what is, what is Paul Heyman going to come out again and say the same thing he said this past week? Again, it's old already. Enough is enough. What more could they possibly do? Goldberg not being there really, really hurts this a lot. Same with The Undertaker and Roman Reigns. Hence why they had to have Shawn Michaels come out this past Monday on Raw and talk to Roman Reigns because Shawn Michaels has been there before. He's done that against The Undertaker two times. He was the one who got retired by The Undertaker. And it was really, really weird that Roman Reigns talking about retiring The Undertaker kind of gets me scared in a way. Uh, because if, if Roman's the one to retire Taker, that's definitely not going to go over well with a lot of people. But again, they wouldn't really hint towards this if it wasn't a possibility. So kind of scares me in a way. But again, this past week's segment with Shawn Michaels was not very good in my opinion. It wasn't. It didn't really help the story develop anymore. You just you need The Undertaker there. Again, next week, Raw from Brooklyn. Undertaker not advertised. So he's going to show up on the go-home show, the last Raw. And he's and this is this is going to be the final build towards this match for WrestleMania, which is pathetic. So we basically get 
the Royal Rumble uh, interaction between Reigns and Taker, and you get one choke slam and whatever the hell they do on the go home show, and that's it. That's the build towards Mania. This is why it just enough is enough with these part timers. If they're not going to appear every single week, it, it just it, it, it's it's unbelievable. It's unacceptable. It really mm-hmm. is. Again, four Raws. That's all the Undertaker and Goldberg had to appear on. Four Raws. Undertaker competes one time a year. The least he could do is appear on four Raws leading up to the big big show. It's just it's mind-boggling to me, Brian. It really, really frustrates me so much. Again, I can't even say the same for Brock Lesnar because, again, this guy's been here. He's been there every single week. So, again, it's just really frustrating with Goldberg and The Undertaker. But uh, talking about the main event segment, though, that was an awesome segment. Mick Foley was spot on. Stephanie McMahon, spot on. Triple H, spot on. Uh, Seth Rollins coming out was great. The interaction was great. Uh, it's good to see Seth Rollins getting physical. You gotta wonder what the you know what the extent of this knee injury is, and and if he can still go at Mania. They haven't announced the match yet, which is kind of scaring me a little bit. Uh, I read a couple of rumors that they're still hesitant to you know for to see what he could do because of this injury. But again, they're gonna have some sort of interaction at WrestleMania. I, I mean, whether it's a match, whether it's a fight. Whatever I heard rumors of Finn Balor possibly coming back. I mean, who knows? It's going to be a little segment. Uh, again, I don't really know what it's going to be, but I feel like if it was going to be a match at this point, they would have announced it. So I'm not sure where they're headed with this. Uh, I, I mean, Triple H just beat the crap out of him with the, with the crutch to end Raw. I thought, you know, Rollins getting the upper hand to, to close out the show would have been the better move there. But uh, the fact that Triple H got the better of him and, and left Rollins just in agony on in the middle of the ring uh just doesn't really bode well for their match i mean if they're even going to have one so who knows what's going to happen at this point but like you said overall another average draw at best really really wasn't all that great a couple of wrestlemania storylines you know definitely developing but overall just not nothing really too special to really talk about i mean yeah it was official now that we're going to have a triple threat uh tag team title match uh between anderson gallows uh, sheamus and cesaro and zone cast no surprise there um, Nia Jax, um, you have to think that she's going to be involved in the title scene pretty soon. She's not officially announced yet. It's still a triple threat match, but it, it's it's so tough to keep her out of the picture because let's, let's ask the question, you know, what is Nia Jax going to do at WrestleMania if she's not in the title match? I mean, you need to put her on the card. You've been showing her on Raw for the past couple of months. She's been getting some sort of a push. She's been involved in these big storylines with, with Charlotte, with Sasha, with Bayley. You had to have her involved in this match. I mean, you just can't give her a squash opponent like a Dana Brooke or somebody else. You have to give her a big role. And I do believe at some point, whether it's next Monday on Raw or the go-home show, she will be involved in that match. So I think she'll be involved in the title scene pretty soon. Um, and that was basically it with Monday Night Raw. Uh, in terms of the Seth Rollins Triple H stuff, yeah, I'm a little bit scared too that the match has not been announced. If it was uh, if it was going to be official for me, it would have been announced already. With Finn Balor's case, I mean, I've heard rumors that he does have a big role at WrestleMania. They just don't know what he's going to be doing. Maybe he'll fill in for Seth Rollins and face Triple H. That would be kind of odd because what's the history between Finn and Triple H? Only only history was his positive stuff because Triple H brought in Finn Balor to NXT. I'm not sure what the backlash would be, would be between those two guys. So they're going to have to figure this whole thing out. If Seth Rollins is good to go, though, you have to have him wrestle Triple H. All right? If he's good to go... You have to have this a match, all right? A, a brawl will be good, but it's not good enough. You have to have these guys in the ring facing each other in a one-on-one match. Now, if Seth can't go, then I'm not sure what WWE is going to do. They're going to be in some sort of pickle. 
because you need to find a way to have Triple H, Seth Rollins on the show, and if Finn Balor is going to be involved, they got to figure out what they're going to do with Finn Balor. Because I've heard, again, there's something big planned for Finn. They just don't know what it's going to be. They're going to have to figure it out. They have two weeks left. They're going to have to figure it out what Finn is going to do at WrestleMania. He's healthy. He recently wrestled at the house show where it was him, Chris Jericho, and Sami Zayn versus Triple H, Samoa Joe, and Kevin Owens. He's ready to go. You cannot have this guy not on WrestleMania. He has to be there. He has to have a role, especially because fans know that he's cleared. They saw the video. They saw the photos that Finn Balor's back. So they're expecting Finn to have some sort of role at WrestleMania. You cannot keep him off the show. He has to do something big. So, But again, we're two weeks away from WrestleMania. But in, in for this situation with Triple H and Seth and Finn, they're going to have to figure this out, man. If Seth can't go... WWE is going to be in for a pickle because people are expecting to see a Seth Triple H match. If they're not going to get it, WWE is going to have to find a way to get out of this mess. Raw to SmackDown now. SmackDown Live uh, was good. I thought it was a good, solid show. Uh, the, the big story that happened on the show was clearly the AJ Styles, Shane McMahon situation. Um, I got to say, Ryan, they nailed it. That whole segment they had with AJ and Shane nailed it. You know, AJ starts the show, he's in the middle of the ring, he's voicing his frustration to the fans that Shane screwed him out of the match. He wants to have a one-on-one conversation with Shane. He goes into the parking lot, he's waiting for Shane McMahon to come to the arena. He comes to the arena, and here comes AJ Styles, boom, being the holy hell of Shane McMahon, kicking his ass, throws AJ through a car window. That was awesome. That was Attitude Era-esque right there. And I gotta, I gotta be honest with you, Ryan, that was the most aggressive side of AJ Styles I have ever seen and that's good to see because you want to see more different stuff from AJ Styles and he can do more different stuff we saw a nasty aggressive pissed off AJ Styles and he has every right to be Ryan and not just because of the storyline but because I come I, I think he's pissed off in real life because look again we talked about before Ryan this guy AJ Styles is without question your best worker there is no debate on who the best wrestler is in your company. Others may say Seth, Owens, Finn. Okay, maybe. But AJ Styles, without question to me, is the best performer in your company. He's coming off one of the greatest first years in your company's history. Maybe not the greatest, because there's going to be people that are going to say Brock or Taker. But AJ Styles is right in that conversation for best first year in the history of the WWE. He had classic matches. He had so many great feuds. He had a tremendous run as champion. WrestleMania season, his opponent is Shane McMahon. Really? That's what you give AJ Styles for WrestleMania? Shane McMahon. That's not right for AJ Styles. He deserves a lot better. But in terms of the storyline, again, we saw this coming. We saw it being built up that it's going to be AJ versus Shane. I'm still not in favor of this match, Ryan. The only way I will accept this match and deal with it is if it's a hardcore match. Because, of course, after the show or at the ending of the show, Shane McMahon announced that you know he uh, AJ Styles has an opponent for WrestleMania and he basically hinted it's going to be him. Um, and it became official. It's going to be Shane versus AJ Styles. If it's a normal singles match, Ryan, it's not going to work. All right. Even though, yes, AJ Styles can carry the match. He is the phenomenal one. He is the best wrestler in the world. He can carry the match. You need two to make a great match, Ryan. We all know that. It can't be just one guy. You need two to make a great match. 
And Shane McMahon is not a wrestler. All right? He's not. He's a good athlete. He takes risks. But he's not a wrestler. He cannot keep up with AJ Styles. Hell, there are some wrestlers right now in the company that are, are very experienced. Have been doing this for many years. They can't keep up with AJ Styles. So what makes you think that Shane is going to keep up with AJ Styles? The only way this match can work, Ryan, is if it's a hardcore match. Because that's where we see the best of Shane McMahon. When the weapons get involved. When there's no disqualification. That's where we see the best of Shane McMahon. Because he's allowed to do a lot with weapons. Whether it's steel chairs. Whether it's kendo sticks. Whether it's tables. That's where we see the best of Shane McMahon. And when we look back at Shane McMahon's best matches. Because he's had a lot of matches. His best matches were hardcore matches. Whether it's the matches with Kane. Kurt Angle. Steve Blackman, The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin. All those matches he had with those guys were hardcore matches. And that's when Shane is at his best, is when the weapons get involved. If it's a normal singles match, Ryan, it's not going to work. I don't care how great AJ Styles is. He could carry the match, but again, you need two to make a great match. And Shane McMahon is not a wrestler. He's just not. He's a good athlete, but he's not a wrestler. He will not be able to keep up with AJ Styles. Daniel Bryan said it best on Talking Smack. AJ is the best wrestler in the world. There's no way Shane McMahon can hang with him. He's completely right. In order for this match to work, Ryan, you need it to be a no DQ, no holds bar, whatever hardcore match you want to name it. You need to have that stipulation in the match in order for it to be great. If it's not going to be in the match, Ryan, it's not going to be good. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm going to be wrong. Maybe Shane surprises me, but from what I've seen with Shane McMahon's history and AJ Styles' history, a normal singles match is just not going to work out. In order for this match to succeed, it has to be a hardcore theme match. But for the segment on Tuesday, I give credit to SmackDown, the writing staff, the booking staff. They nailed that segment. It was perfect. AJ Styles, frustrated, pissed off, wants revenge, takes up the guy that screwed him. Beats the holy hell out of him. Throws him through a car window. He gets fired by Daniel Bryan. I thought that was hilarious. On the on the on WWE.com, the website, he's now listed as an alumni. When you look at the superstar list, he's an alumni. That's funny. Shane McMahon comes out saying, No, AJ Styles is not fired. I want his answer at WrestleMania. That was perfect. Great. The buildup is there. But again, in order to sustain the success and to make this match great. It can't be a singles match, Ryan. It has to be a hardcore-themed match. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you on that point. Uh, totally agree with you on the fact that they completely nailed that segment on SmackDown. Again, when they give you, when they give us a match like this, a match that we clearly don't care about, uh, as such as Shane and AJ, which nobody wants. Let's put it on. Let's be honest. Nobody wants that match. We all know that. I think WWE is aware of that themselves. Uh, you know, again, they need to make us care about it. And they did that. They absolutely did that this past Tuesday night on SmackDown. I mean, again, this is not a, a match that I 
you know, wanted to see. This wasn't a, you know, a list on, you know, uh, a match on my list of matches oh, I'm, that I'm dying to see. Definitely would have rather AJ Styles have a better opponent, such as, you know, Nakamura or Kurt Angle or somebody like that. Um, but again, this is what we're getting, so we might as well start embracing it. And you know what? After what we saw this past Tuesday, I'm intrigued a little bit. I, I really am. I think that's. I think that just took over as the best storyline on SmackDown right now. I mean, I think it, it's better than Bray and Randy, to be honest with you. Uh, we'll see how it, how it plays out the next you know two weeks or so. But uh, again, I, I loved it. I really did. You know, AJ waiting for Shane. The attack was so brutal. Throwing him through the car window. Shane bleeding profusely from his head. Uh, then at the end, with his ripped shirt and all, coming out, making the announcement. Uh, again, I, I loved it. I, I really, really did. And you know what, Brian? After that interaction, after that assault, you got to think it's going to be some sort of stipulation. I mean, I just don't see this match being regular one-on-one. Uh, after what we saw, after Shane was bloodied and battered and all that, I, you got to think it's going to be some sort of no-holds-barred, extreme rules stipulation or something. I, I mean, Shane McMahon doesn't wrestle one-on-one matches, just regular matches anymore. He, when he's involved, it's always a gimmick match. I, I mean, you know, last year against Taker, Hell in a Cell, Survivor Series this past year was obviously, you know, Raw versus SmackDown. But I just don't see it being one-on-one with AJ Styles. Like you said, he's... He can't hang with it with a guy like AJ Styles. AJ is just literally on a whole different level. So if they have a gimmick match, they have hardcore extreme rules. That's where Shane thrives, like you said. And you know what? We've seen AJ Styles put on five-star matches all across the globe. We know what he's capable of. But this is all about entertainment nowadays. WWE, WrestleMania. It's not even WrestleMania. It's entertainment mania, basically. That's all it is. I mean, you don't watch WrestleMania for five-star matches. You watch WrestleMania for the entertainment, for the spectacle that it is. So I think if it's a hardcore match, AJ and Shane could put on a very, very fun match and make a really, really fun moment. Because when you look back on you know things like this in a couple of years, I mean, yeah, you'll remember some of the five-star matches, but you'll basically remember the moments the most. I mean, you know, again, the whole so many moments over the years. You know, you know, Daniel Bryan winning the world title at WrestleMania 30. You're gonna remember him beating Triple H and him beating uh, Batista and Randy Orton. You're not gonna remember about how good the match was. I mean, to be honest, I can't remember how good the match was. But you remember the moment of Daniel Bryan winning, overcoming the odds. Again, that's what it's about: creating memories, creating moments. And I think AJ and Shane could do that at WrestleMania. But like you said, it has to be a hardcore match. It has to be some sort of gimmick match. And after what we saw this past Tuesday, you got to think it will be. Uh, you know, Like you said, funny to see AJ Styles move into the alumni section on WWE.com because he was uh, fired, and I say that with air quotes. Uh, you know, Again, this could be interesting after this match at WrestleMania. Let's see what happens with AJ Styles. I mean, it only makes sense for him to jump ship to Raw after this. I just don't see how he stays on SmackDown after this match but the only positive i could take out of this as well is that aj styles is going to beat shane mcmahon at wrestlemania there is not a chance that shane beats aj that just would not go well that's the only positive i could take out of this right now but like you said if it's a hardcore match uh that's definitely positive as well so you know what brian we'll see i mean i'm I'm looking forward to it after what we saw from tuesday uh, we'll see what happens, like I said, in the next two weeks and uh, as they continue to build towards this match. As for the rest of the show, I mean, the Bray Wyatt, Randy Orton stuff was a little bit over the top with what they did, but it was pretty cool to see uh, Bray Wyatt back at the compound, which Randy Orton burned down a week ago, a couple of weeks ago, excuse me, and Bray Wyatt basically spreading uh, Sister Abigail's ashes on, a fa- on his face, his body, basically warning Randy Orton that he's coming for him. That was pretty cool to see. A little bit different, a little bit over the top, but it was pretty cool. Um... 
Uh, the Miz, Maurice, Cena, Nikki Bella stuff. I'm going to be completely honest with you, Ryan. The more I hear Miz and Maurice talk about Cena and Nikki Bella, the more I support them. Because let's be honest, Ryan. When you look back you know, at their talking segments on SmackDown and Talking Smack, and they talk about John Cena and Nikki Bella, everything they say about those two are 100% true. Everything they say. I'm not going to go through everything, but whatever they say about Cena and Nikki Bella is completely true. And I, and I read somewhere that some guy goes, like one of these insiders or these experts on wrestling say, it would not shock me when come April 2nd at WrestleMania – that fans cheer for Miz and Maurice and boo John Cena and Nikki Bella. Because people listening to Miz and Maurice talk, they're agreeing with them. Because they're right with Miz is saying what Maurice is saying. And I'm with them. You know, what Miz is saying about John Cena, about uh, Miz saying about Nikki Bella, about the whole Total Divas thing, Total Bellas. They are 100% accurate. I'm still, again, you know, I'm not in favor of this match. I just wish it was better off being Miz versus Cena. That's where the personal history is. I just think with Maurice and, and Nikki Bella involved, it has to deal with more of who's the better couple. I don't like that type of stuff. I'd rather see, you know, stuff like this be settled by just two people. Um, you know, because look, Cena and Miz have a personal history. They face each other a number of times. They main event at WrestleMania uh, back at WrestleMania 27. They have a history. You know, Nikki Bell and Maurice have a history out of the ring. I know WWE likes to do this type of stuff that they want to invoke real life storylines into their current storylines weekly on television. But I'm just not a fan of it. But when I watched back that segment, Ryan, and Dale Bryan came out. And he was basically ripping the Miz apart, saying that the Miz comes out every week trying to be like Daniel Bryan, doing his moves, which he's not doing so well, ripping Daniel Bryan apart that he's not wrestling and that, he, and that Daniel Bryan can't do anything about it. They are really, really missing the boat with a Daniel Bryan-Miz match this year. Now, yes, I still believe maybe down the road that Miz and Bryan could happen. But how many times are you going to build this up week by week? How many times are you going to have these two guys go at each other? I think people are getting sick and tired of it that they want to see these two guys finally clash. And this was the perfect place to have this opportunity. At WrestleMania, Brian versus The Miz. Daniel Bryan's comeback. Trying to get vengeance on The Miz after all the times Miz made fun of him. Ripped him apart saying that Daniel Bryan can't wrestle anymore. And Daniel Bryan basically called Miz soft. He's not a great wrestler. Blah, blah, blah. They had a perfect opportunity, Ryan, to tell this story at WrestleMania. I'm not even sure if the story will ever be told because I'm not sold that Vince McMahon is going to clear Daniel Bryan. I'm not sold on it. If I was, if he was going to clear Daniel Bryan, this would be the right time to do it because the story's still there. It still has a lot of momentum, and I think it would be a perfect way to tell it at WrestleMania. But you're going to continue this build after WrestleMania? And let's say they do clear, let's say they do clear Daniel Bryan, and they have him wrestle Miz by next year's WrestleMania. Really, you're gonna have a, a, another year of buildup between these two guys? I think by then people are gonna be sick and tired of it. They're gonna, they're gonna say, "Oh, it's too late." You know, I'm not that interested. We saw a constant back and forth bickering between these two guys. It's old. I'm not interested anymore. I think right now they're missing the boat, Ryan. This would have been a perfect opportunity to have Daniel Bryan come out of retirement. And basically stick it to The Miz. The Miz is red hot right now. Dale Bryan's doing great work as GM. The story's red hot right now. 
in a year in a year from now, who the hell knows what's going to happen? Who knows what's going to happen with the Miz? Who knows what's going to happen with Daniel Bryan? Who knows if the story's going to be that good anymore? Because these guys continue to go back and forth with each other, it's going to get old quickly. It hasn't yet, but it will get old quickly. Things don't last forever. You need to do new things every single time. And with this and with this current story being hot still, this is your opportunity to capitalize on this story by having these two guys face each other. But there are no signs of it yet. And I really don't see Vince continuing this story until next year's WrestleMania. If he does that, it's stupid because he waited too long. I don't think the story will have enough momentum going to next year's WrestleMania. It's too far away. So like I said, you know, it's it's frustrating because I want to see Daniel Bryan back in the ring. I know he's got an injury history, and I get that WWE wants to be safe with him. But still, the guy is motivated to wrestle. He's still young enough to wrestle. The guy can still go. And they have a tremendous story here between him and The Miz that started on Talking Smack with Miz cutting the promo of the year. And since then, people have wanted to see this match happen. How long are you going to wait until this match ever happens? If it's ever going to happen. Because it's not a guarantee it's going to happen. It should happen within putting so much focus on building the storyline. It has to happen. But you never know. And Dale Bryan's contract is up in 18 months. And from, from what rumors are saying, he's leaving. He's not staying. He wants to wrestle. And he knows companies like Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling will give him the opportunity. WWE will not do it. So that's just my frustration. I'm not sure if you agree, Ryan. But, you know, Miz and Cena should be good, I guess, with Maurice and, and Nikki. I'm not a fan of it. But when you look at the big picture, Ryan, that should not be the match at this year's WrestleMania. It should be Miz and Daniel Bryan. The story is red hot. It's one of the biggest stories on SmackDown. And there's no better opportunity and having this match then right now. If you're saving it for later, I'm not sure if it's going to work out that way because I do believe at some point people are going to get tired of this back and forth bickering week by week with no match. So we'll see what happens, but that's just my opinion, Ryan. With this Miz Dylan Bryan situation, the match should be at this year's WrestleMania, not in the future. It has to happen now. The story is red hot capitalize on it if you're going to wait too long it may not have that same momentum as it has right now yeah no i i agree with that but i don't see them ever clearing him it's too much of a liability out of the hands of the wwe i mean again i don't know why they keep teasing this match if it's never going to happen i don't know if they like just to torture us or what but you know it is annoying it is because we wouldn't be talking about this and we wouldn't really get excited about it if you know, again, they wouldn't tease it every single time the Miz is out there. Every single time they, you know, they they interact on talking smack or a backstage segment, it's just annoying now because you know this is never going to happen. I I still never believe that Dana Bryan is going to wrestle for the WWE ever again. Like he said last week, when his contract's up next year around this time, uh, he he's gone. He he's he's out the door. He's already got one foot out the door, in my opinion. Because like you said, Brian, he wants to wrestle. He does. He got cleared by. Uh, you know, a good majority of doctors that he could wrestle again. And you know companies like Ring of Honor and New Japan will offer him a deal. You know they will. WWE is never going to do it because there's too much liability at, at the hands of them. And you know what? I, I don't have a problem with that. I agree with them. You know, again, it's a risk. It's a huge risk that I wouldn't take if I was them. But again, why are you teasing this then if it's never going to happen? Stop teasing us with this. Again, if you had never have plans to... Go ahead with this match, and you never have plans of clearing Daniel Bryan. It's just annoying. 
But, you know, again, every time they, they throw a teaser out there, it's just more and more uh, proof, you know, again, that they they just, it's, it's never going to happen. It, it's never going to happen. And it is a shame because that should be the match. Like you said, Brian, they've been building towards this for so long. What better payoff than at WrestleMania? It doesn't have to be a long match. Just to see Daniel Bryan do a couple things in the ring, is it really going to kill him? Uh, I, I, I don't think so. But you know what? We're getting Cena, Nikki, Miz, and Maurice. Uh, continues to be pretty good. The Miz's promos continue to be pretty good. Uh, you know, again, they keep talking about marriage. A lot of marriage talk. You know, Maurice showing off her, her wedding ring. Gotta, gotta think that some sort of proposal is coming from John Cena, whether it's in the ring at WrestleMania or sometime during WrestleMania weekend. Uh, again, you gotta think this is gonna come because they wouldn't keep teasing something like this if it's just not gonna happen. I just don't see it. Usually when they tease something like this, there's a payoff behind it. Uh, and, and you gotta think it's coming one way or another. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens with that, but the match was officially announced by Daniel Bryan. A match we kind of expected to happen. Shouldn't be the match at WrestleMania. We all know that. But you know what? The build's been pretty solid. So it is what it is. We'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, as far as the Daniel Bryan Miz stuff goes, it's frustrating because we know it's not going to happen, yet we get a teaser for it every single week. And it's just enough is enough already. Yeah, and as for the rest of SmackDown, Alpha versus the Usos, to me, even SmackDown to me was not a good idea. I, I would rather save their encounter for WrestleMania that to have them have a just a normal tag team match on SmackDown. I mean, I get it. It was a way for the Usos to earn the number one contendership. But again, you're going to repeat the match at WrestleMania. It doesn't make sense. You want to save this encounter for WrestleMania. And they didn't do that. Uh, the women's segment were okay. Um, again, we're, we're going to have that multi-women match at WrestleMania for Alexa Bliss's championship. That should be solid. Um, Dean Ambrose and Baron Corbin, we see more build-up to that match. It should be good, I guess. But I think their build-up should be a little bit better than what it, ha what it has been lately. And that was basically it for SmackDown. You know, other than the uh, the, the AJ Styles stuff with Shane, the uh, the Wyatt Warren segment, and uh, the the whole Miz, Marie, Cena, Nikki Bell stuff, the overall show was just solid. So that's it for SmackDown. Uh, finally, with some NXT talk, last night's NXT episode was solid as well. Uh, Bobby Rivers, Cassius Ono for the NXT Championship was a very good match. Uh, good to see Cassius Ono back in an NXT ring wrestling for the first time in four years, but. It's still a shame, Ryan, that first match back in four years, it's a loss for Cassius Ono. And I'm not happy that they put him in this position without being a payoff that he'll, he'll get another shot at the championship at TakeOver Orlando. Why are you wasting our time and having a big star like Cassius Ono lose this match to Bobby Roode? And then Bobby Roode goes in a, in a different direction and Ono's stuck with nothing right now. It didn't make sense for me because, look, Cassius Ono's a big star. He really is. He may not be a big star right now when it comes to the casual WWE fan. But when it comes to us hardcore fans who watch other stuff other than WWE, he's a big-time deal. And he's a big-time signing for WWE. And you want to build this guy the right way. You want to give this guy a direction. He's too talented to have zero direction. And right now, two weeks away... He has no match for TakeOver Orlando. I'm not sure what he's going to do. You can't keep him off the card. If they do that, that's a stupid decision. He's so talented that he deserves to be on this card. If he is on the card, who is he going to face? I don't know. If there's one person I would give him, it's Almas. I think he makes the most sense. Almas is one of the best heels right now in NXT. He also needs to find an opponent for TakeOver. I think him versus Ono should be a good solid match. 
give these guys to do something, all right? You can't give you can't keep these guys off the card, plain and simple. But the Ono Rude match was very good. Rude winning was no shocker. Uh, I didn't like that he beat Ono clean. I didn't like that. I think Rude should have won the match a little bit dirty, so it protects Ono a little bit. But no surprise, we're gonna get Rude Nakamura too. Uh, how do I think about that? I'm not all that excited. I mean, I wasn't really excited for their first match. It was a good match. I'll, don't get me wrong. But the second match, uh, I'm not sure what to expect. I don't think it's going to be as good as the first one. It's definitely going to be Nakamura's last match in NXT. He's bound for the main roster right after TakeOver. Uh, when it comes to after that, we'll see where it goes with Bobby Roode's title situation. But we're going to get Nakamura versus Roode too, and we'll see what happens with that. With Cassius Ono, right now, no direction, and that's a problem. Um, the triple threat tag team match was officially announced for TakeOver between DIY, The Revival, and The Authors of Pain. Should be an awesome match. Personally, to me, I wish they had a better stipulation. Uh, the elimination stipulation is fine, but if you want to up the ante, if you want to end this whole fiasco between these three tag teams, because they've been drawn together for such a long time, have it be a better stipulation. I would love to see it be a ladder match. That would be pretty cool to see, but... It is what it is, but it should be a good, solid match between those three tag teams. Uh, we saw more uh, build up to Oscar versus Ember Moon. Oscar basically doing a Emmalina type vignette. You know, she you know dressed up nicely. She looked like a model during her vignette. Um, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing more between her and Ember Moon down the road. Um, we saw more build up between Sanity's rivalry versus Ty Dillinger, No Way Jose, and uh, Roderick Strong, which is going to lead to a six man tag team match next week. Uh, that should be solid. And we saw another vignette of A-Lister Black. Two weeks in a row, two vignettes for A-Lister Black. Gets me more fired up, man, because I'm a fan of this guy. If you're not, if you're not seen A-Lister Black perform, he's a tremendous talent. And seeing WWE give this guy some vignettes and building up his character, it shows you that Triple H and the NXT officials see something in this guy, and they have big plans for him, which is great to see because, look, when superstars like Tommy End or you want to call me A-Lister Black come in, guys that are not known for being charismatic, guys that are known for being good wrestlers, you just don't know what their fate is going to be in NXT. Because like I said a number of times, you could be a great wrestler in WWE, but if you don't have the charisma or the character locked down, you're not going to succeed. I mean, Oni Lorcan's a perfect example. This guy's a great wrestler, but right now, no character, no charisma is killing this guy, and he has no direction. But seeing this guy have vignettes, Alistair Black I'm talking about, it shows you that WWE sees something in him. And that's great to see because Alistair Black is freaking talented. He's a tremendous wrestler. And if he can find a character, if he can find a gimmick that can work with him, he can succeed at the next level. So overall for NXT, good solid show. Two weeks to go to take over Orlando. Next week, Lorcan versus Almas should be very good. And the six-man tag match between Sanity versus No Way Jose. Roger Strong, Ty Dillinger should also be very good. And as of right now, for TakeOver Orlando, we have three matches officially set between Rude versus Nakamura for the NXT Championship, Ember Moon versus Asuka for the Women's Championship, and the triple threat tag team title match between DIY, The Revival, and The Authors of Pain. So far, three good matches, but they still need to find two more matches to fill the card up, and we'll see what happens within the next two weeks. Yeah, I mean, uh, not the best NXT show last night. I actually, you know, uh, did check it out. 
uh, live for the first time in, a, in quite a while. Uh, you know, the, the tag team stuff that was officially announced is something that we knew already from the taping, so not much of a shock there. Uh, the Asuka vignette, like you said, her match with Ember Moon, that's that's one of the most highly anticipated matches, I think, on that TakeOver Orlando card. Uh, we've been talking about it for months, so I'm glad it's happening. Uh, very, very excited for that. Uh, we didn't know what the main event was. We had no idea what the main event for this takeover was based on the tapings. And, you know, we got it announced. I mean, uh, you know, basically the winner of Bobby Roode, Cachisono, would go on to face Nakamura. And we know it's obviously Bobby Roode. So it's, it, it's no shock that this is the main event for this show. Uh, you know, I think it's just frustrating because they got Cachisono involved in the mix. They got us excited. You know, when he debuted, when he first came back, he uh, got in the ring with Nakamura. He was touching the title. <clears throat> got the title match with Bobby Roode. You just want him involved in the main event somehow. And the fact that he lost clean, it's just, it, it's 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 a shame. It really is. And it's not something that I'd like to see happen. Uh, very, very good match. Although I wish the crowd was more into it. I mean, my God, the UCF crowd there. Just, oh, God. It got awful throughout the whole entire main event. Could, could, could not agree more. Show. I could not I mean, agree just, more. I mean, just awful. God, awful. I mean, I, you know, when that stuff happens, I feel for, you know, the wrestlers in the ring. I, I felt for Cassius Ono and Bobby Roode. I mean, they're out there killing it. Cassius Ono is doing all these crazy moves, uh, these hard punches to the face of Roode, and just no reaction from the crowd. And, and it's just, it's, I hate when that stuff happens because you pay to be there in attendance. How do you not get into some of these matches, you know? I, I mean, I'm telling you, I just don't understand it. I never wanted them to go back to full sale so badly as I, as I did while watching it last night, but... I mean, overall, like you said, not the most eventful NXT take uh, show, but we're on the road to take over. A uh, bunch of matches already announced. And we're, like you said, we're waiting for these last two matches. You got to think Cash Sono's got to be involved in one match at least. I mean, come on. Give him a squash match. I don't even care. He's got to be on the card. There's no excuse for him not to be on that card. And again, if he's not on that card, it's just it's a shame because you brought this guy back for a second stint here in NXT. You got to make things right for this guy this time around. You can't do stupid decisions like this by leaving him off one of the biggest takeovers of the year, especially when he's been involved in the world title picture ever since he came back. Now when it matters the most to take over, you're not going to have him involved. Very, very stupid decision on their part. So again, I'm looking forward to take over. Regardless of what the main event is, Bobby Roode Nakamura will be okay. It'll probably be Nakamura's send-off, so I'm okay with that. Uh, but as for Kajisono, man, I really hope he's on the card one way or another. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. I made that uh, point on the uh, on the on Instagram page at Royal Rumble Wrestling. You can follow us on my NXT Ramble and how terrible the UCF crowd has been. I mean, they've been there now for two weeks. These past two weeks, they've held their shows at UCF, and the crowd has been dead silent. And it's not just for main event segments. It's for the entire show. You don't hear one peep, one peep out of this UCF crowd. Hell, when No, he no Way Jose comes out, you didn't hear the fans sing with No Way Jose. I mean, at Full Sail, the fans chant his song. And there was no emotion whatsoever. It was dead silent. And I'm not the biggest fan of Full Sail University, but when they held, when they hold shows there, it's more fun to watch because the fans make it fun to watch. They're energized. They're pumped up. They get involved with these chants. It's so fun. They make these matches interesting. The UCF crowd has sucked for the past two weeks. I'm not sure if they're going to be there next week. Or the send-off show? Hopefully not, because this crowd is terrible, right? There was no reaction whatsoever to that main event match. Yes, we heard a couple of oh-no chants. We had a couple of rude chants. But the entire match was just dead silent. And the entire show's a bit dead silent. The fans have been terrible. So hopefully by next week, they're back at full sail. 
Um, before we get into our March Madness brackets, we got to talk about some other stuff going on between U- U- UFC and more wrestling stuff. It's a busy weekend in wrestling uh, this weekend. Tomorrow night, PWG uh, – not excuse me, not tomorrow night, Saturday night, PWG is back. They have another show going on. Uh, I what's the show called again? I can look up on their um, on their Insta, in, excuse me, Instagram page. Um, that's right. Uh, nice boys don't play rock and roll. That takes place on this Saturday. Tremendous match card. Here are the matches: Shane Strickland versus Desmond Xavier. Both guys are making their PWG debuts. Uh, Keith Lee also makes his debut against uh, Brian Cage. That should be must see. Sammy Callahan takes on Adam Cole. The Chosen Bros, Jeff Cobb and Matt Riddle, looking to make it three wins in a row as a tag team take on Jake and Dave Christ of OI4K. Leo Rush will take on Trevor Lee. Little Dirty Ron Scoundrels, that's Zack Sabre Jr. and Marty Skrull will take on Best Friends, Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta. Uh, and the big match for the PWG World Tag Team titles, Penta L Zero and Phoenix take on Ricochet, Matt Seidel, and the Young Bucks for the World Tag Team titles. So that's a big event going on. Um, this, uh, Saturday, we also have, uh, Russell Circus and AAW also going on as well. Um, now, now let's move on to the UFC. Uh, this past weekend, we had, uh, UFC fight night in Brazil. Uh, a couple of big fights went down. Calvin Gastelum took on Vitor Belfort. Big, big win for Gastelum. Uh, he's, he's a young up and coming fighter, 25 years old. He's going to be... Uh, he's going to be a big part of um, uh, the UFC middleweight division for years to come. Uh, Shogun Hua, I believe, picked up a victory as well. He got into a big fight um, versus Jean Vellante. Uh, and there were some other good fights as well. Uh, as for some other stuff going on in the UFC down the road, uh, Anderson Silva is scheduled for another fight. Uh, I believe it's at 211, UFC 211, UFC two, uh, 212. I'm just trying to... Uh, Get on my Google here who Anderson Silva is fighting next. I forgot who he's uh, scheduled to fight next. Uh, yes, Kelvin Gastelum. <laughs> excuse me. Uh, Kelvin Gastelum will take on Anderson Silva at UFC 212 in Rio. That should be a good fight. Uh, but there is some news going on when it comes to the middleweight division and the situation with uh, Michael Bisping and George St. Pierre. Uh, a lot of fighters, as expected, are not happy with this decision to give George St. Pierre this title fight against um, Michael Bisping. Two guys in particular, Chris Weidman and Yoel Romero, have both voiced their opinions and their frustrations that you know these are two guys that have been part of this middleweight division for years. They've been fighting so hard to get back into the title scene, and they were just leapfrogged by George St. Pierre, who was making his middleweight division debut. A guy that has not fought in, what, two, three years is making a comeback, and his first fight is a title match against Michael Bisping in a division that St. Pierre has never fought in. So you could just see the frustration level on uh, Romero and, and uh, Chris Weidman. I don't blame him for getting frustrated, but again... When it comes to stuff like this, uh, Dana White's all about the money. He wants to draw big, big reviews. He wants to have big fights go down. And St. Pierre versus Michael Bisping is a big fight. It's a dream fight. These are two longtime contenders in the UFC. Uh, in, in the UFC, George St. Pierre, one of the greatest fighters of all time. Michael Bisping, one of the greatest middleweights of all time. Their first encounter is a big draw. And people will be interested in seeing this fight because these are two great talents, great fighters. That are facing each other for the first time for the middleweight championship. And that's all about money. And that's what Dana White is. He doesn't want to do, you know, these just these normal fights. He wants to put together big fights. And this is a big fight between Bisping and St. Pierre. He wants to draw the most money he can get. 
And a George St. Pierre, Michael Bisping fight will draw more money than a Bisping Weidman fight or a Bisping Yo Romero fight. I get their frustration, but I see why Danny White's pulling this move. He wants to make the most money he can make, and he believes, and I agree with him, that a Michael Bisping George St. Pierre fight for the middleweight championship will draw big money, and it will be. So we'll see what happens with the situation, but I definitely agree. With Weidman and Romero's side, but also at the same time, I don't blame Dana White for taking this approach because if you're Dana White who runs this, um, oh, Are you there, Ryan? Yeah. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, so yeah, sorry about the people, some technical difficulties. Um, we are back on the air. As I was saying, uh, in terms of the situation between Michael Bisping and um, <clears throat> and George St. Pierre, I agree with both sides. Uh, why Chris Wyman and Yola Romero are frustrated that they were leapfrogged by St. Pierre, who's making his first comeback to the UFC in two years and he's getting a tile shot right away but again I, I also agree with the side of um, of George, uh, excuse me of Dana White because he's all about making the money and he wants to draw big viewership and a fight between George St. Pierre and Michael Bisping two all time greats will draw a lot of money so that's my take on it what about you Ryan yeah no again it's a business it's, it's what it's about nowadays he tries to put the, together the biggest baddest fights that he thinks are going to sell and that's what it's all about nowadays so yeah I mean I I, I you know, again, it sucks for Yoel Romero, who was next in line for Bisping's title. But you know what? It's a business. It's all about money. GSP Bisping is a way bigger fight than Romero Bisping would be. So, yeah, I mean, I, I totally get it. All right, yo, so let's move on now to uh, our Wrestling March Madness Brackets. If you guys have followed our Instagram page for the past five days, we've been putting together our brackets up for our March Madness uh, Wrestling <laughs> Uh, we did four brackets uh, of wrestling heritages uh, last year. We did the same exact thing around the same time, but last year we did wrestling companies, and the wrestling companies we did were WWE, TNA, Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro Wrestling. This year, though, we're going to be different. We did wrestling heritages, and what I mean by that is we're going to have four brackets that included res uh, uh, wrestlers from the United States, Canadian-born wrestlers, United Kingdom-born wrestlers, and Japanese-born wrestlers. And if you follow our Instagram page at Royal Ramble Wrestling, you saw the first-round matchup. Some of you guys gave your predictions. Thank you guys for giving you some, giving uh, your predictions on this uh, first-round matchup. So, but right now, myself and Ryan are going to give our predictions for the um, for the bracket. And we'll start things off in the United States bracket. AJ Styles comes in as our number one United States-born uh, wrestler. No shocker there. I still think he's the best wrestler in the world today. Taking on 16th ranked TNA superstar Bobby Lashley, who's been pretty damn big in TNA for the past couple of years. He's been a triple champion at one point. He's held a lot of titles in TNA. But easy decision here. AJ Styles is going to win this because, like I said, he's the best wrestler in the world. Bobby Lashley might match him 
in terms of size and athleticism, but AJ Styles is just a better in-ring worker. He's a more safer worker. He's just more experienced. So give me Styles to knock off Bobby Lashley. Completely agree. The best wrestler on the planet, like you said, more experienced, has has done so much more in the wrestling business, has literally competed everywhere across the globe. Uh, you know, Styles is the real freaking deal. But don't sleep on Bobby Lashley. He's also a tremendous talent. Not a lot of people watch TNA nowadays, but he's absolutely killing it there. But you got to go with AJ Styles in this one. All right, moving on to our 8 versus 9 matchup. This might be the most interesting 8 versus 9 matchup throughout the entire tournament. Jay Lethal against Ricochet. Jay Lethal, of course, a former Ring of Honor World Champion and Television Champion, still one of the top wrestlers in my opinion in the world today. Against Ricochet, who you can make you make a big case for as the best high flyer in the world. I'm picking Ricochet in this one. I just think the kid's got a ton of charisma, not on the microphone, but in the ring. The kid can flat out. Uh, the kid can flat out work. Um, he's he, in my opinion, other than Will Ospreay is the best high flyer in the world today. He's just a tremendous athlete, so unpredictable. And wherever this guy's gone, whether it's PWG, whether it's New Japan Pro Wrestling, whether it's Evolve Wrestling, this guy makes a name for himself, and he has a tremendous future ahead of him. So give me Ricochet to knock off Jay Lethal. Yeah, it's interesting, and you know, this is a tough one. This is a matchup that would be awesome to see. I'm going to go with Jay Lethal. Again, we're talking about the experience here. We talked about it with AJ Styles and Bobby Lashley. Jay Lethal has, has a lot more experience. He's the best third-generation superstar out there. He's just unbelievable. I mean, again, Ricochet, we know how good he is as well, but I think it all comes down to experience and how much more experienced Jay Lethal is uh, compared to Ricochet. So it would definitely be an interesting matchup, but I'm going to go with Jay Lethal. All right, moving on to our 5 versus 12 matchup. A little bit of Ring of Honor history right here. Seth Rollins against Roderick Strong. In terms of a one-on-one singles match, I think Roderick Strong could beat this guy, could beat Seth Rollins. But when it comes to the total package, Seth Rollins is just a better performer than Roderick Strong. He can wrestle, but he's also got the charisma factor in him. You know, Seth Rollins could talk a good game. Uh, Roderick Strong still has that, that flaw in his game. He's a great wrestler, but as a natural talker in terms of charisma and personality... <clears throat> Excuse me. Roger Strong just doesn't have that. He he's still lacking that, and that could be his um that could prevent him from having a great run in WWE. But in terms of wrestling ability, Roger Strong is a definitely a better wrestler than Seth Rollins. But this is a tournament, not in terms of just wrestling, in terms of just the total package. And Seth Rollins is just a much more complete talent than Roger Strong. So give me Seth Rollins to knock off Roddy Strong. Yeah, definitely. Complete package, like you said. Seth Rollins has done way more. And again, you know, that's not taking anything at, you know, taking a shot at Roddy Strong whatsoever. I think this guy is just absolutely incredible as well. But like you said, in terms of the total package, you got to go with Seth Rollins. He's the real freaking deal. All right, now, next up, four versus 13. A couple of Bullet Club members facing each other here. Adam Cole taking on Cody Rhodes. Uh, again, same thing in terms of the strong Raw situation. It doesn't come down to who the better wrestler is. It's about the total package. And Cody Rhodes could be a better wrestler than Adam Cole. But Adam Cole is just a much more complete talent. He's got the charisma. He's got the look. He's got the personality. And Adam Cole is one of the best young wrestlers in the world today. He's bound for WWE. So he's going to get a lot more recognition. He, down the road, within two years, I guarantee you, will be the biggest star that WWE has. He's that damn good. So give me Cole to knock off Cody Rhodes. 
Yeah, I mean, Cody Rhodes definitely has more experience, obviously, competing in WWE, uh, the son of the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. Uh, but again, Adam Cole, 27 years old. I mean, three-time Ring of Honor world champ. The guy's done so much in the wrestling business already. WWE bound. The sky's the limit for this guy. He is the next big thing in WWE. I guarantee it. Adam Cole, like you said, the total package. You got to go with Adam Cole in this one. All right, 6 versus 11, Chris Hero, who is now, of course, known as Cassius Ono, against Austin Aries. Tremendous first-round matchup between two of the best in independent wrestling history. I love me some Chris Hero, but, man, I am a big Austin Aries fan, so I'm going with the upset. Give me the 11th-ranked Aries to knock off Chris Hero. No disrespect to Chris Hero. He's one of the best workers out there, but, again, it comes down to total package. Hero may be the better wrestler, but Austin Aries is just a more complete package. This guy can wrestle. He can talk. He's got a good look. He's got a personality. He connects with the fans. Not saying Chris Hero cannot do it, but I just think Aries does it a little bit better than Chris Hero. So give me Austin for the upset over Chris Hero. Interesting pick right there, but I'm going to go with my man Chris Hero. I just think he'd be too much for Austin Aries to overcome. I mean, just the size advantage that Chris Hero would have. Uh, again, you saw how he took it to Bobby Roode last night throughout that entire match. I mean, the hard hits, the kicks. I mean, he's just a freak athlete. I mean, every time he hits the ropes, you, you feel like the ropes are going to break. I mean, he is he is a freak, and he is just so athletic, though, uh, for a guy like his size. Uh, he, I mean, he's just unbelievable. Give me Chris Hero to knock off Austin Aries, which would be tough. But, uh, again, I, I, I'm going to go with Hero in this one. All right, three versus 14, Samoa Joe versus The Miz. Again, you know, The Miz may be better on the microphone than Samoa Joe. But in the ring, Samoa Joe will completely annihilate The Miz. Samoa Joe, I think, today might be the best big man in wrestling. He's 282 pounds. He doesn't have the greatest physique, but this guy can absolutely wrestle. One of my all-time favorite wrestlers. I've been watching this guy since 2004. He is a tremendous talent. The Miz is a great talent as well. I've been raving about this guy for the past year. But Samoa Joe is just top to bottom, just a more better talent. So give me Samoa Joe to knock off The Miz. Oh, yeah, completely. I mean, you know, we know how good The Miz is on the microphone. He's, he's solid in the ring as well. He's a very safe worker. But Samoa Joe is just on a whole other level, in my opinion. I mean, the guy's a monster. The guy dominates wherever he goes. Uh, I'm going to definitely go with Samoa Joe in that one. All right, Randy Orton versus Roman Reigns, 7 versus 10. Uh, give me Randy Orton. Again, no disrespect to Roman Reigns, but Randy's got more experience. He's a much more complete talent. So Orton easily over Roman. Yeah, definitely. Randy Orton over Roman Reigns completely. Uh, again, you know, Randy has way more experience. He's done way more in his career. Again, it's it's kind of unfair to say because Roman Reigns still has a big future ahead of him. But come on, you got to go with Randy Orton. And then we have two versus 15, John Cena versus Dean Ambrose. Another no-brainer. Dean Ambrose is a good talent, but he's nowhere near the level John Cena is. More experience, just a more complete talent than Dean Ambrose. So Cena with the easy win over Randy Orton. Excuse me, over Dean Ambrose. Yeah, but I completely agree. You know, I used to hate Cena back in the day, but how can you not like the guy now and respect the hell out of the guy nowadays? I mean, for everything that he's done, always puts on great matches. You'll always rely on him. One of the best there is, one of the best there ever will be. Uh, I like Dean Ambrose, but he just doesn't match up to Cena. All right, moving on now to the second round of the U.S. bracket. AJ Styles versus Jay Lethal. I have Styles versus Ricochet, but I think both me and Ryan are going to agree. It doesn't matter who faces AJ Styles. AJ's going to win this match so aj for the win yeah completely a aj over everybody basically so definitely give me aj all right moving on to five versus tw excuse me five versus four seth rollins versus adam cole both me and ryan agree that's that's going to be the match tough one to pick here but i'm gonna go with adam cole he may not be the better athlete than seth rollins and both guys are 
basically a little bit close when it comes to microphone skills, but as an entertainer, I think Cole's a lot more better than Seth Rollins. I think Adam Cole could play as a good, good as a good guy and a bad guy better than Seth Rollins. No disrespect to Seth, he's a great talent, but I just think a little bit Cole has a slighter edge when it comes to complete talent, and he's still a very young guy. He still has lots to grow, so give me Cole to knock off Seth Rollins. Yeah, I'm going to go with Seth Rollins over Adam Cole, actually. Uh, again, just I feel like Seth Rollins has accomplished a lot. Uh, he's a complete package, like I just said before. It'll be tough. It'll be a great matchup, but I'm going to go with Seth Rollins. All right, you got Chris here versus Samoa Joe. I got Austin Aries versus Samoa Joe, but like before, I don't care who is facing Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe is going to win the match no matter what. Just a tremendous talent top to bottom. Joe over Hero and Austin Aries. Yeah, I, I could agree with that as well. I think uh, Samoa Joe, just he has the advantage in everything. He's just, he's unbelievable. I, I can't say enough about the guy, so Samoa Joe. Randy Orton versus John Cena, of course, one of the best rivalries in the history of the WWE. Reunited in this bracket. Cena may be the most obvious pick, but I just think Randy Orton's just a better talent. He may not have the charisma that that Cena has, but as an in-ring worker, Randy Orton is just a lot better than John Cena. He can also play a heel role tremendously. It's it's a neck-and-neck -neck battle. It's a close-up, but I just like Randy over Cena because he's a little bit more – he's a more complete talent than John Cena because he has the advantage in the ring. So give me Randy over Cena. Yeah, I always thought Randy over Cena all throughout their rivalry, throughout the years. I always – like Randy Orton better. I always thought Randy Orton was better. He always overcame Cena basically every single opportunity he had. So uh, just Randy Orton, I feel like is overall is just better than Cena is. But uh, again, it's, it's really tough. It's really, really close. But I'd give the edge to Randy Orton in this one. All right, we move on now. Styles versus Seth Rollins. I have Styles versus Adam Cole. Give me AJ Styles, like I said, no matter what, who wins between Rollins and Cole. AJ Styles is just a much better talent. Both of them will be great matches, but AJ over Seth and Adam Cole. Yeah, again, uh, like I said, AJ Styles over everybody. The guy is just on a whole different level. He's the best wrestler on the planet. We all know that, so AJ Styles for sure. And they'll face the winner of Joe and Randy Orton. We both agree on that one, Ryan. I'm picking Samoa Joe here. I love Randy Orton, but Samoa Joe, like I said, I've watched this guy for many years before him. He's just a unique talent. There's nobody like Samoa Joe. The size... The tremendous inning ability. He's got a charisma to him as well. He's a very underrated talker. An Orton-Joe match down the line should be awesome. But to me, Samoa Joe just overpowers Randy Orton. So give me Joe knocking off Randy Orton. Yeah, this would be one hell of a matchup, let me tell you. But I'm going to go with Randy Orton. I just, again, he's just, he's a great talent. Samoa Joe is as well. He's a monster. He dominates. But Randy Orton's got the advantage for, you know, obviously the experience and everything. I just think overall he's a better talent, so give me Randy Orton. So in our U.S. bracket finals, AJ Styles both uh, makes uh, makes the finals. We both agree on that. I have Joe in it. You have Randy Orton. But let's say it again, Ryan. It doesn't matter who it is. AJ Styles is the best wrestler in the United States, arguably, arguably the best wrestler in the world. He takes his bracket easily. Give me Styles over everybody. Absolutely. AJ Styles over everybody is right. I mean, he's just, again, I could say it again and again and again. I feel like a broker record. The best wrestler out there right now on the planet, in the freaking world. Give me AJ Styles for sure. Uh, let's move down the brackets now. We go to our next bracket, the United Kingdom bracket. And we'll start with our first match of Finn Balor versus Joe Hendry. 
Interesting match here. Joe Hendry's a young up-and-coming talent in WCPW all throughout the United Kingdom. Independent scene. He has a great future ahead of him. He's been giving a lot of great reviews from guys like Kurt Angle and Alberto Del Rio. But Finn Balor is one of the best wrestlers in the world today. I think he takes this one easily over Joe Hendry. Yeah, Joe Hendry's a fantastic talent. If you haven't seen him, I'd definitely check him out if I were you. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you got to go with Finn Balor in this one. It's just he's done so much. I mean, he's accomplished so much. He's just incredible. Uh, I mean, I think Balor, like you said, takes this one easily. Eight versus nine, two incredible high flyers go at it. Possibly a down the road, they'll have a match against each other. Neville versus Mark Andrews should be a fun match, but Neville has started to develop a lot more charisma now ever since the heel turn, and that's the advantage. When it comes to high flying, they're both neck and neck because both these guys are great athletes, but Neville has more of a personality than Mark Andrews, so give me Neville for the win. Yeah, like you said, I mean, the heel turn was the best thing to ever happen to Neville. He's really turned it on. He's just on another level right now. And it's funny, considering where he was when he got called up to the main roster about a year ago. Um, but again, he's just on another level right now as the Cruiserweight champ. This would be a one hell of a matchup, let me tell you, because Mark Andrews is also fantastic. But you got to go with Neville. All right, 5 versus 12. Drew Galloway versus Trent Seven. Another, another interesting matchup here, but Drew Galloway, man. Ever since he left WWE for the independence and TNA, he has absolutely killed it. He's killing it right now in Evolve Wrestling, killing it at PWG, killing it on the independent scene in, in the United Kingdom. Trent Seven's a good talent, but I have not seen enough of this guy for me to pick the upset over Galloway. I've been watching Galloway for such a long time. He's a tremendous talent. Bright future ahead of this guy. Give me Galloway to knock off Trent Seven. Absolutely, completely agree. Galloway's a freak athlete. He's just unbelievable. Uh, like you said, haven't really seen much of Trent Seven, so can't really uh, say too much about this guy. But, I mean, Drew Galloway, like I said, is just an absolute freak, so you got to go with him. Will Ospreay versus Jack Gallagher, 4 versus 13. Easy pick here. Gallagher may be more entertaining, but Will Ospreay is one of the best athletes in the world, period. If he's not the best athlete, because you can make a case that Ricochet is, he is one of the best athletes in the world, and he's only 23 years old. This kid has a tremendous future ahead of him. Osprey easily for the win. Yeah, I think so, too. Easy pick here. Uh, you know, Will Osprey, we know how good he is, the aerial assassin. Uh, definitely going with Will. Six versus 11, a rematch from the first ever United Kingdom <laughs> Uh, championship tournament in the WWE, Pete Dunne versus Tyler Bate. Tyler Bate won the first match, not win the second match. Pete Dunne, in my opinion, is going to be a future superstar in wrestling, specifically for the WWE. He's locked in for WWE. They're going to call this guy up, I believe, by WrestleMania. He is an outstanding talent. If you not watch this guy, he has all the tools to be a future superstar. Tyler Bate's a great talent, but the total package... Pete Dunn is just that guy. Dunn gets his revenge, beats Tyler Bate. Yeah, I agree. That was one-time thing. I don't think it happened again. Pete Dunn's a complete package. We can't say enough about this guy of how good he really, really is. Maybe not winning the UK championship is probably the best thing for him because now he can get called up, be on WWE's main roster, possibly be in a faction with Smojo, Kevin Owens, and Triple H. I think that'd be pretty cool. He is just overall just like the best complete package overall. So uh, give me Pete Dunn to knock off Tyler Bate. Three versus 14, the villain Marty Skrull taking on Jimmy Havoc. Havoc a little bit unknown for some of you guys. He's not really wrestled in the United States, but he's wrestled for companies like Progress and WCPW. Very underrated talent, but 
He has no chance in this one. Marty Skrull is one of the hottest wrestlers in the world today. Currently the uh, Ring of Honor World Television Champion. Also taking part in other big wrestling companies like Progress, like uh, Rev Pro, also uh, PWG. He's making a name for himself. Battle of Los Angeles winner. He is one of the best wrestlers in the world today in my opinion. So Marty Skrull for the win. Oh, yeah, completely. I mean, uh, this would be a very interesting matchup. Again, Jimmy Havoc is absolutely tremendous. If you haven't seen him, uh, he, he's an incredible talent as well. But you had to go with the villain, Marty Skrull. What a year he had in 2016. Continues to kill it in 2017 as the Ring of Honor World Television Champ. Uh, so give me the villain. All right, 7 versus 10. Tommy Yen versus Mark Haskins. Another tremendous matchup between these two guys right here. But I haven't seen enough of Haskins for me to pick up the upset. So give me Tommy Yen. I've seen this guy a lot more. He's going to NXT as a Black. He has a tremendous future ahead of him. One of the hardest hitters in wrestling today. His kicks are lethal. He can also throw knees and elbows. He is a definition of strong style. And him going to NXT, he'll get a lot more recognition. Bright future ahead of Tommy Yen. So give me him over Mark Haskins. Yeah, I definitely agree. Tommy Ends is fantastic. I can't wait till he shows up on NXT. I mean, the match he had with Neville at the Cruiserweight, I mean, uh, at the UK tournament, unbelievable. I mean, the guy is so good. It's just, I cannot wait till he makes his NXT debut. Uh, definitely give me Tommy End in this one. He's just in, absolutely incredible. And two versus 15, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Sheamus. Easy pick here. Sheamus is a good, solid talent, but he's no Zack Sabre Jr., Right now, if I had to pick Superstar of the Year right now in 2017, it's Zack Sabre Jr. He's killing it wherever he's going. Evolve champion, PWG champion, now the new RPW British champion, part of Suzuki Gun. He is the best technical wrestler in the world today. Easy pick, Zack Sabre Jr. over Sheamus. Yeah, I don't even think Sheamus would know what to do with all these submissions that Zack Sabre Jr. would put him in. Uh, definitely give me Zack Sabre Jr. Like you said, uh, killing it in 2017, three championship belts making a big impact in his first time in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Like I said, Sheamus would just be so confused at all these submissions that Zack Sabre Jr. would put him in. He'd, he'd, he'd literally twist him like a pretzel. So uh, give me Zack Sabre Jr. for sure. Continuing with the UK bracket, we move on to the second round. Next up, Finn Balor versus Neville. What a great match that would be. They've had an encounter in NXT before. That was a great match. But just imagine now, Neville, the heel that he is, versus Finn Balor, the Demon King. That would be must-see television. But again... Finn Balor will edge him out because he's just more of a complete talent and he's got more experience. So give me Finn to knock off Neville. Yeah, I completely agree. He would edge him. I mean, of course, we just talked about how great Neville is. Nothing taking anything away, but Finn Balor just gets the slight edge in my opinion as well. Galloway versus Osprey. We saw these two guys recently wrestle each other at WCPW's Exit Wounds. An incredible match. Right now, one of the matches of the year. Galloway got the win in that one. I'm going to pick Galloway still. I love me Will, I love me some Will Ospreay. He's got a great future. But I just think right now, in terms of, of momentum, Galloway is just too red hot right now. Too much of a mismatch for Ospreay. It's two different styles. Ospreay's a fast-paced, high flyer. Galloway, more of a physical guy in your face. I just think the mismatch is too big for Will Ospreay. So give me Drew Galloway for the second time in a row to knock off Will Ospreay. Yeah, I would go with that as well. I didn't disagree with that decision at the WC at the WCPW match. I'd definitely go with Drew Galloway as well. Osprey's incredible, but I think Galloway's just a little bit too much for him. Pete Dunne versus Marty Skrull, without question, the most interesting second-round matchup, man. It's a tough decision for me because these are two of my favorite wrestlers right now in the world. I love these guys when they work. 
But man, Marty Skrull, I've been watching this guy a little bit longer than Pete Dunne. I love Dunne's future, but right now, Marty Skrull's got more recognition. He's doing a lot more on the independent scene than Pete Dunne is. Even though Pete Dunne will get the opportunity in WWE, I think Marty Skrull right now is making a little bit of a bigger impact than Pete Dunne. He's holding championships all around the world. Give me the villain to knock off Pete Dunne in what would be an incredible match. Yeah, I completely agree. It would be tough, but I'd give the edge to the villain as well. Again, he's, he's just on top of the world right now in Ring of Honor. Uh, Battle of Los Angeles winner. He's done a lot in this business so far. Uh, you know, Pete Dunne, he'll probably get on that level, but he's just not there quite yet. So definitely give me the villain. And then we have Tommy and versus Zack Sabre Jr., a rematch from their encounter at Battle of Los Angeles 2016, which was a great first-round matchup. I love Tommy Yen, but he's no Zack Sabre Jr. Again, just like Sheamus. I think Tommy Yen will have a little bit of an issue uh, uh, going after Zack Sabre Jr. with all those submission skills. So it would be a tough matchup. would be a good match. But ZSJ continues to roll on, knocks off Tommy Yen. Yeah, I mean, they don't call him the technical wizard for nothing. Uh, definitely give me Zack Sabre Jr. Again, I just feel like he just, you know, Tommy Yen's incredible, but it would be tough for him to... Uh, you know, hold his own against a guy like Zack Sabre Jr., who is, one, without a doubt, one of the best talents out there today. All right, moving on. Eight, uh, now to the uh, semifinals. Finn Balor versus Drew Galloway. We both agree on that one, Ryan. Again, great matchup here. Mismatch Finn Balor a little bit on the, on the um, smaller side to Galloway, but Finn Balor, just a complete talent, man. This guy could beat anybody. He proved that against Samoa Joe, man. Samoa Joe was a big guy. He outmatched uh, Finn Balor, but Finn Balor found a way to beat Samoa Joe twice. This guy can, can adjust to any type of style. He even beat Roman Reigns in what was a great match. Finn Balor is the most complete United Kingdom talent, I think, in the world today. He'll knock off Drew Galloway. Absolutely. Like you said, he knocked off Samoa Joe. He knocked off uh, uh, Roman Reigns. He could definitely knock off Drew Galloway, so definitely give me Finn Balor. And then we got Marty Skrull versus Zack Sabre Jr., two good best friends now, tag team partners now in PWG. Zack Sabre Jr. may be the better wrestler, man, but in terms of complete talent, entertainment-wise, Marty Skrull beats him. I mean, I just love watching Skrull more than Zack Sabre Jr. No disrespect to ZSJ, I think he's a great talent, but Marty Skrull's more enjoyable. He does a little bit more in the ring than Zack Sabre Jr. He's more entertaining, he's got a character locked down. Would be an, an incredible matchup, but Skrull, to me, is more of a complete talent than Zack Sabre Jr., Give me Skrull for the win. Yeah, and me as well. I enjoy Skrull more than Zack Sabre Jr. Again, no disrespect. But, uh, yeah, I completely agree. He's he, he would just, I mean, again, it wouldn't be a huge edge, but I think he would edge him in the end. And then we get into our finals, man. What a match this would be. Finn Balor versus Marty Skrull. I hate to say this, man. I love I love Marty Skrull. He may be my favorite wrestler in the world today, but he's no Finn Balor. Finn Balor is just just edges him slightly. They both have the character. They got the experience. They both can work. Finn Balor, though, does a little bit more than Marty Skrull. I think he's a little bit more unpredictable than Marty Skrull. Would be an incredible matchup, but to me, Finn Balor just beats Skrull a little bit slightly. Would be a close matchup, but give me Finn to knock off Marty Skrull. Yeah, I completely agree. Definitely give me Finn, one of the best uh, you know talents out there. Uh, it would be tough. Again, it would be such a great matchup, but Finn Balor... Above all, he could beat anybody like we just mentioned before. He is the most complete package out of everybody. So definitely give me Finn for the win. Moving on to the right side of the tournament bracket, we go to the Canadian bracket. This was definitely the toughest one to come up with because, you know, there's not a lot of great Canadian talents. But at the very top of it, there's a lot of top talents to come out of Canada. We'll start off with 1 versus 16, Kenny Omega versus Teddy Hart. Uh, definitely easy pick here. No explanation. Kenny Omega would destroy Teddy Hart. 
You took the words right out of my mouth. No explanation. Kenny Omega, done. Uh, eight versus nine. This has been a current rivalry right now in NXT. They'll face each other again in this tournament. Eric Young versus Ty Dillinger. I'm picking Young off a of pure experience. I mean, Ty Dillinger may be a more complete talent. He's got the character locked down, but Eric Young's a crafty veteran. He's been around for a long time, man. He may be annoying when he's talking, but as an in-ring worker, he's very, very solid. So give me EY for the win. I agree. The experience factor would be too much for Dillinger. We saw this match already at TakeOver San Antonio. Uh, good match, but definitely give the edge to Eric Young. Sami Zayn versus Davy Boy Smith Jr. 5 versus 12. Another easy pick here. Davy Boy Smith might be bigger and stronger than Sami Zayn, but Sami Zayn has shown that he's the ultimate underdog when it comes to professional wrestling. He would find a way to knock off Davy Boy Smith, so give me Zayn for the win. Yeah, absolutely. Sami Zayn would knock off Davy's. Davey Boy Smith would probably be a good matchup. I'd be interested to see it, but definitely give me Sami Zayn. Four versus 13, Big Mike, Michael Elgin versus TNA superstar Crazy Steve. Another quick one, Elgin, which is completely annihilate Crazy Steve. Steve's a good talent, but he's no Michael Elgin, one of the best big men in the wrestling world. So give me Big Mike for the win. Absolutely. No explanation needed. Big Mike for, for sure. Next up, this is a good one right here. Kyle O'Reilly versus Mike Bailey. If you've not seen Mike Bailey wrestle people, check this guy out. He is a underrated talent. He is a high flyer. There's a lot of unpredictable things in the ring. He also wrestles barefoot. But Kyle O'Reilly, man, is such a tremendous talent. I love this guy. He's a great, great talent. Has it all. Can talk. He can wrestle. He's a good technical wrestler. Out of Ring of Honor, we'll see where his future holds, man. But... Him versus Bailey would be something to watch, but give me KO, Kyle O'Reilly for the win. I agree. Bailey is very underrated, but you got to go with Kyle O'Reilly in this one. Again, just, you can't say enough about how good that guy truly is, and I'm curious to see what his future holds. So give me Kyle O'Reilly. Three versus 14, Chris Jericho versus Tyson Dukes. Again, another easy one. Chris Jericho is one of the greatest of all time. He would, he would win this match easily. So give me Chris Jericho. Yeah, against experience factor, way too much. Definitely give me Y2J. 7 versus 10, Bobby Roode versus Ethan Page. This would be a good match, man, because, again, just like Mike Bailey, Ethan Page is under the under the radar, underrated talent, working for companies like Glory Pro, Wrestle Circus, uh, Evolve Wrestling. He's a former tag team wrestler, now turned single superstar. Got the nickname All Ego. He has a great future, but, again, experience comes into play. Bobby Roode has that advantage. He's killing it right now in NXT. A long-time great talent for TNA. Rude gets the win, but Ethan Page would be a very tough challenge for Bobby Rude. Yeah, he's nobody to sleep on, but again, Bobby Rude would just uh, edge him again. Experience factor, again, I, th I just think he has more of a package, uh, you know, overall to him than uh, Ethan Page does. But again, don't sleep on Ethan Page, but you got to go with Bobby Rude. Two versus 15, another easy pick here. Kevin Owens versus Tyler Breeze. Easy pick, Kevin Owens over Tyler Breeze. Yeah, definitely give me Kevin Owens as well. Again, what more can you say about KO? He's just tremendous. Tyler Breeze is a great talent, but he hasn't done much. Uh, again, you just got to go with KO in this one. All right, now to the second round. Kenny Omega versus Eric Young. Another quick, easy pick here. Eric Young is a veteran, but Kenny Omega is just a much better talent. Complete talent. In-ring-wise, personality, Omega for the win. Yeah, I mean, hey, you know what? Instead of AJ Styles over everybody the last time, I'm saying Omega over everybody because he is just unbelievable on a whole nother level. Uh, definitely give me Kenny Omega. Sami Zayn versus Michael Elgin. Uh, Sami Zayn's the underdog, but Michael Elgin, man, is just an incredible talent. Would be a fascinating matchup between these two former Ring of Honor superstars, but Mike Elgin's red hot right now, killing it in Japan, killing it on the independents. Sami Zayn's a great talent, man, but he's no Michael Elgin, so give me Big Mike for the win. 
So, yeah, absolutely. Michael Hilgen can do things that no other man can do. He's unbelievable. Uh, I think Michael Hilgen would definitely um, edge Sami Zayn. O'Reilly versus Chris Jericho could be a dream matchup. I would love to see that match go on one day. may never happen because Chris Jericho doesn't have a lot left in the tank, but Jericho easily gets the win. He's just a greater talent. Like I said, one of the greatest of all time. Kyle O'Reilly would, would give him a good matchup, but Chris Jericho edges him out in a lot of other things. So Jericho for the win. Yeah, I agree. Easy pick. Chris Jericho for sure. And then Kevin Owens versus Bobby Roode. Maybe one day we'll see this match as both guys are in WWE. But, again, Kevin Owens is a much better talent, much better athlete, does a lot more in the ring than Bobby Roode. So give me KO for the win. Yeah, it would be an interesting matchup. But definitely give me Kevin Owens as well. Again, overall, I just think he's a better talent. And then we get into our semifinals. Kenny Omega versus Michael Elgin. We've seen this match a couple of times. They've had their first ladder match in New Japan Pro Wrestling history. Elgin won that match. But in a normal singles matchup, he will not beat Kenny Omega. Omega's just that damn good. So give me Kenny Omega to knock off Big Mike. Yeah, he, Kenny Omega's knocked off Big Mike more so than Big Mike's knocked him off. I mean, uh, that ladder match for the Intercontinental Belt it's the only match he really knocked him off in. I love this matchup. These two guys are tremendous, have so much great chemistry. Definitely give me Kenny Omega. And then we got two former best friends facing each other. How about this? Chris Jericho versus Kevin Owens. The match that's going to happen at WrestleMania is happening right now in our bracket. To me, you know, Chris Jericho may have a greater career than Kevin Owens, but when we're talking about right now, it's Kevin Owens. In history, Chris Jericho, but this is not history. This is right now. Kevin Owens is just a better talent than Chris Jericho. May not be a better talker than Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho has that charisma, but Owens as an athlete, as a wrestler, as a storyteller, right now edges Chris Jericho. It's going to be a good match at WrestleMania, good match in this bracket, but to me... KO knocks off Chris Jericho. Yep, it's going to happen here, and it's going to happen at Mania. Definitely give me KO to knock off Jericho. Like you said, Jericho might have the edge, uh, you know, again, his, his career and everything and how much experience he has. But again, if we're talking about in the now, it's definitely Kevin Owens. And how about this main event match right here? The final match in the Canadian bracket. The two KOs, Kevin Owens and Kenny Omega, a definite dream match. Two of the best in the world today go at each other. It's a tough one to pick. We're seeing Kenny Omega over everybody, but Kevin Owens is a legitimate challenge for Omega. But coming off the year that he came off of, I got to go with Kenny Omega. He had an incredible 2016 year. I expect to see big things in 2017 for Omega as well. Would be a classic, but to me, Omega wins and advances to the Final Four. Yeah, absolutely. Again, you know, Kevin Owens is no joke. But Kenny Omega, man, he's just better than everybody. I mean, he is just unbelievable. Uh, again, you got to go with him. I'd love to see this match down the line. Maybe if Kenny Omega joins WWE, we will. But uh, I got to go with Kenny Omega. It would be tough because again, these are my two favorite wrestlers in the world right now. But uh, slight edge to my man Kenny Omega. And then finally, our final bracket, the Japanese bracket, probably my favorite bracket because there's so much tremendous talent from Japan. A lot of great matches in the first round. We'll start it off one versus sixteen. Kazuchika Okada, the current IWGP Heavyweight Champion, against longtime Japanese star, former WWE Cruiserweight Champion Tajiri. Would be a fascinating match. Tajiri is no joke. He's a great talent, but Okada, more complete, more charismatic. He is the face of New Japan Pro Wrestling. He picks up the win. Yeah, I definitely think so too. I mean, Okada is just Okada is just unbelievable. I mean, he's he's literally on on top of the world in New Japan. Again, Tajiri, no joke, nobody to sleep on. But again, you get, how can you not pick Okada in this one? All right, next matchup, eight versus nine. What a match this would be: Minoru Suzuki against Kota Ibushi. 
I like Suzuki. I've been watching him a lot more. He's a very good wrestler, but man, Abushi is just a lot more unpredictable. Does a lot more in the ring. High flying, strong style, submission skills. He is a complete talent. Give me Kota over Suzuki. Absolutely, Kota Ibushi, one of my favorite Japanese wrestlers out there right now. Again, I've been watching a lot of Suzuki as well lately. He's very, very good. Definitely a big fan of him, but uh, I gotta go with Ibushi. How about this first round matchup? Five versus twelve. Katsuyori Shibata versus Hideo Itami. That is a dream match right there. Two hard hitters, two unpredictable wrestlers, but Shibata just a little bit more experienced, a little bit much more refined than Atami. Atami has a lot of injury concerns. Shibata works through the pain. He wrestles through the injuries. So just a lot more toughness in Shibata. He knocks off Atami. Absolutely. Shibata would put Hideo Itami back on the shelf for sure. I mean, he's just incredible. What more can you say? Definitely give me Shibata. Next matchup, 4 versus 13. Tanahashi versus Kento Miyahara. For those who do not know Kento Miyahara, he does not wrestle for New Japan Pro Wrestling. He wrestles for another company in New Japan. Excuse me, in Japan. Great talent. Future is bright for him. Watch out for this guy. He has a bright future. But Tanahashi, for so many years, has been the face of New Japan Pro Wrestling. He may be 40 years old, but the guy can still work. Give me Tanahashi for the win. For sure, he's the next big thing behind Okada in New Japan. Uh, definitely give me Tanahashi. Six versus 11. We have a rematch from Wrestle Kingdom 11. Um. Kushida versus Hiromu Takahashi. How about that? Two two rivals right now facing each other. I like Kushida, man. He's a great talent, but I just think Takahashi has more charisma. I mean, I'm not saying Kushida does not have charisma. It's just it's just a tough back and forth battle between these two, uh, two these two guys. I just like Takahashi more. He has been killing it right now ever since he joined uh, Los Inglenables de Japón. He's the current IWGP uh, junior heavyweight champion. This guy is the ultimate risk taker. He does a lot of crazy things in the ring. And I just think he has a lot more charisma than Kushida. So give me Takahashi to knock off Kushida for the second time. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. He's a lot more exciting to watch. Again, not taking anything away from Kushida, but uh, Hiromu Takahashi is just so fun. He's crazy in the ring. He's, the things he does is crazy out there. So definitely give me him. He has a lot more charisma. 3 versus 14, Tetsuya Naito, the leader of LIJ, taking on the veteran Raisuke Taguchi. Easy pick here. Naito all day, every day over Taguchi. Absolutely. No explanation needed. Naito for sure. 7 versus 10, we have Haruki Goto, the current never openweight champion versus Tomohiro Ishii. I'm going to go with another opposite here. I love Goto, but ever since I saw that Ishii match against Omega, I'm, a, I'm becoming a bigger fan of Ishii. He had a great 2016 year. He's an underrated wrestler in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Big things are in store for this guy. He could win the New Japan Cup. If he does, he'll get an opportunity to face for a world championship. So give me Ishii in a great match to knock off Goto. Yes, yeah, the matchup I've seen uh, you know, before between these two guys. Very, very good matchup. But yeah, I mean, you got to go with Tomohiro Ishii. He's just unbelievable. Nothing taken away from uh, Hiroki Goto. He's also tremendous. But Tomohiro Ishii definitely gets the edge. And then two versus fifteen, Shinsuke Nakamura taking on Akira Tozawa. Two current WWE superstars facing each other. Nakamura all day. Tozawa would give him a battle, no doubt about it. But Nakamura is just more charismatic. Fits the King of Strong Style build perfectly. Would be an interesting matchup, but Nakamura for the win. Yeah, absolutely. It would be a fun matchup, but definitely give me Nakamura easily. Moving on to our second round matchup, Okada versus Ibushi. What a second round matchup that is. They recently fought each other. Um, 
Uh, it was uh, Tiger Mask versus uh, Okada, but Tiger Mask was Ibushi. Okada won that match. He would win it again, even if it was Kota Ibushi, not Tiger Mask. Would be an incredible, insane match, but Okada, to me, just more of a complete talent than uh, Ibushi. So give me uh, Okada, uh, Okada for the win. Yeah, he's the bigger star. He he's he's the one that gets the edge in this one. Uh, it was a good match, you know, when it happened a couple of weeks ago. But uh, you know, it's again, Ibushi's great, but Okada is just that much better. Shibata versus Tanahashi, another great match that this could be. Tanahashi, I like him, but I'm not that big of a fan of him. I'm a bigger fan of Shibata, and I think in today's day in New Japan Pro Wrestling, I think Shibata would beat Tanahashi. Just fits the strong style build perfectly. Give me Shibata to knock off Tanahashi. Yeah, with the way Tanahashi's been losing lately, he's really lost a lot of steam. He's fell off the ladder completely. Shibata's on a roll. Definitely can be Shibata. Next matchup, we have LIJ members facing each other. Hiromu Takahashi versus Tetsuya Naito. I love Takahashi, but Naito is just on a different level. He's the leader. There's a reason why he's the face of the group. He's the current IWGP Intercontinental Champion. He brought this group together. He's become a big star because of the group. Naito over Takahashi. Yeah, absolutely. Naito for sure. Love Takahashi, like you said. But Naito is just that more entertaining. Uh, He's just, he's, I mean, the way he just disrespects everything, throws the championships around like it's nothing. I mean, Naito is the real freaking deal. We all know that. So definitely give me Naito. And then we have Ishii versus Nakamura. They face each other before New Japan Pro Wrestling. Great chemistry these two guys have. But again, when it comes to toll package, Nakamura edges out Ishii, and I think he'll pick up the win. Yeah, I think so too, Nakamura for sure. Moving on to our semifinals, Okada versus Shibata. I still believe that's going to be a future match this year. I'm picking Shibata to win the New Japan Cup, and I think he'll get a shot against Okada. If that match does happen, though, Okada would win that match, and I think in this bracket he would win the match as well. He's just a much better talent than Shibata. No disrespect, no disrespect to Shibata. Great talent, but just not on the same level as Okada. Give me Okada to knock off Shibata. Yeah, again, the bigger star on top of the world. Again, this would be a great matchup because these are two of the best that New Japan has, but definitely give the edge to Okada. I mean, how could you not? Naito versus Nakamura. What a match this would be right now with with Naito having the run he's having in New Japan, Nakamura becoming the big star in NXT. I love Nakamura, man, but I just think in terms of the wrestling ability, Naito is just better than him. You know, Nakamura is very good. He's got the strong style moves, the kicks, the knees, the submissions. But Naito just does a little bit more. He's a good high flyer. He could be a technical wrestler. And in terms of charisma, Nakamura may be the most charismatic wrestler in the world today. But Naito is just there with him. He's just as charismatic. So give me Naito to knock off Shinsuke Nakamura. I completely agree. I mean, I love Nakamura, but... I love Naito that much more. I mean, he, again, you can't say enough about the guy. I give the edge to him. It would be a very fun matchup. I'm not sure if these guys ever faced each other. Maybe they have. I'm not too sure about the history in New Japan between these two, but definitely give me Naito for sure. And finally, in our final match in the Japan bracket, Okada versus Naito, no strangers to each other. They had a couple of classic matches last year for the IWG Heavyweight Championship. Okada may be the best pick because he is the face of New Japan Pro Wrestling. But I'm just a big, bigger fan of Naito. For some reason, man, Okada may be the face of New Japan Pro Wrestling, but Tetsuya Naito just, he's just a bigger star to me. He may not be, he may not be looked like a bigger star. Okada is, he dresses like a big star. He's being presented like a big star. But in the ring, on the microphone, 
charisma, personality, success. Naito right now, to me, is just a little bit better than Okada. He's not the world champion, but Naito is showing that this guy could be the face of New Japan Pro Wrestling. If Okada left, Naito would be the guy, and he would kick ass. So, close matchup, but give me Tetsuya Naito to become the winner of the Japan bracket. Very interesting pick right there. I mean, I'm telling you, that's, that would be a tough matchup to predict. I mean, of course, we've seen these two guys going at it before. Um, you know, again, Okada, Naito edged Okada, and Okada edged Naito. I got to go with Okada just because, again, he's the bigger star. Again, I, I completely agree. I think if Okada leaves, Naito's that guy to just jump right into that, to that position. He's a little bit more popular at the moment. I think a lot of New Japan fans are getting sick and tired of seeing Okada, especially since he's held that belt for way too long. Again, I think everybody would like to see Naito hold it instead. I mean, me too, me included, but Okada is just tremendous. I mean, again, his match with Kenny Omega, everybody giving so much credit to Kenny Omega just because how good he is, but can't disregard how good Okada truly, truly is. It would be hard not to give it to the guy who, in my opinion, is the best Japanese wrestler out there. So I'm going to go with Okada. It would be tough, but I'm going to go with uh, Okada for sure. And here's our final four. Me and Ryan agree on three of them. We disagree on one of them. AJ Styles represents the United States bracket. Finn Balor representing the United Kingdom bracket. Kenny Omega representing the Canadian bracket. Ryan has Okada representing the Japanese bracket. I have Naito. So we'll start with you, Ryan. Omega versus Okada, the rematch from Wrestle Kingdom 11. Okada won the first time. Omega, will he win the second time, Ryan? Who is going to the finals, Omega or Okada? I'm giving this win to Kenny Omega. He deserves it. He's uh, Okada's not edging him again. I'm going with my man, Kenny Omega, who should have won the first time around, but he'll win this time. And then finally, Styles versus Balor, the two... Great Bullet Club leaders in the group history. Balor started it, but AJ Styles made it great. Who wins, AJ or Finn? Definitely a dream match down the road. But right now, between these two guys, who wins the match? AJ Styles over everybody. Again, this would be tremendous. Like you said, two former Bullet Club leaders. Would love to see this match up somewhere down the line. I'm sure we'll get it at some point. If not, it's a big up, missed opportunity for sure. AJ Styles above all. For my predictions in the Final Four, uh, I agree with you. Give me AJ over Finn Balor. Again, Finn Balor started the Bullet Club faction, but AJ made it popular. He made it big. No disrespect to Finn Balor, but AJ made that group great. It would be an incredible matchup, a matchup that has to happen down the road in WWE with both guys there, with their history. You have to have this match happen. It would be a classic, but AJ Styles, a lot more experience, a lot more refined in the ring than Finn Balor. Give me AJ. As for the as for the other side of the bracket, Omega versus Naito, their rematch from the G1 Climax. Omega makes it two for two, beats Naito, and which should be another classic match. So both me and you, Ryan, agree. The final match, a match that we all want to see, especially in this day and age. The two best wrestlers in the world today, hands down. AJ Styles, Kenny Omega. Two superstars in two different companies. AJ representing the WWE, Omega representing New Japan Pro Wrestling, and the Independents. Who wins? AJ Styles, the former Bullet Club leader, or the current Bullet Club leader, Kenny Omega? Ryan, who is this year's Wrestling March Madness champion? Man, this is a matchup I would love to see. Kenny Omega wants it. I would love to see it. I mean, my God, two of the best wrestlers in the world. 
this was up for debate on who was going to be the superstar of the year for 2016 because both of them had tremendous years. Got to give the edge to AJ Styles, though. He, again, AJ above everybody. He is just incredible. AJ Styles, uh, again, this would be unbelievable. Kenny Omega could definitely upset him. I wouldn't even call it an upset if he wins, to be honest. But uh, you got to go with AJ Styles. I think he has a slight advantage. Not too much of an advantage, but I'm going to go with AJ Styles. Again, best wrestler in the world, bar none. This is the toughest pick to make, you know, because you can make a case for both guys on why they deserve to win this match, all right? AJ Styles has been doing it for longer years. He's been more popular than Kenny Omega, especially because AJ's in the WWE. He's coming off one of the greatest first years in the history of the company in WWE. And at age 39, going on 40, to see AJ Styles still be the wrestler that he is today is incredible. Kenny Omega... The guy came off an incredible 2016 year. Just did it all in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Is one championship away from having a complete career in Japan. Definitely one day will be bound for WWE. I think that's going to happen. Some people don't think it's going to happen. I definitely think Kenny Omega will one day be in the WWE. I just don't know how he doesn't go there. With the money that he'll get paid. With the opportunities he'll get there. Omega one day will be in the WWE. But when it comes to right now. AJ Styles is my guy. I've watched this guy a lot longer. He's one of my all-time favorite wrestlers. When you ask me my top five favorite wrestlers of all time, AJ Styles is in that list. He's actually my number five favorite wrestler of all time behind uh, The Rock, number one, Undertaker, number two, Stone Cold Steve Austin, number three, and CM Punk, number four. AJ is my number five. I've watched this guy since 2004. All those years watching him, I still look at him as a god in professional wrestling. That's how good AJ Styles is. And the advantage I give AJ over Omega is not just because AJ continues to kick ass at the old age of 39, but AJ said it best on the Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast. He can wrestle any style. No pun intended. He can wrestle any style. If it's a fast-paced, high-flying match, AJ can do it. If it's a slow-paced match that tells a story... AJ can do it. Not saying Kenny Omega, Kenny Omega can't do it, but AJ to me just does it a little bit better. And with Omega, no disrespect, a little bit reckless in the ring. He does a lot of crazy stuff where he can kill himself. AJ is a safe worker. He's safe with himself, and he's safe on his opponent. Omega, not so much. He almost killed Okada in the Wrestle Kingdom match. He almost killed himself in that match as well. Omega has to basically... Tilt it down a little bit. Not that much because what that's what makes him so great because he takes all these risks. But just in this day and age, AJ Styles to me just does it a little bit better. In the future, I think Omega will be that top guy, but not right now. AJ Styles in the position he's in right now, at the age that he's at right now, to still see him do this incredible stuff in the ring is just the best wrestler in the world today. There's no debate about that. Omega can make a case for himself, but I, I even think Omega would say, nah, I'm not the best. AJ is. A lot of guys would say that. Who's the best wrestler in the world today? 99% of them, of them will say AJ Styles. He just has that respect from all of his peers, from WWE, from the independents. Anyone who's wrestled AJ Styles, they have that respect for this guy. He can have any great match with anybody, and that's why, in my opinion, he is the best wrestler in the world today, and that's why he wins our 2017 Royal Ramble Wrestling March 
Madness bracket. Congratulations to Phenomenal One. You're this year's winner. That's all the time we got, people. Hopefully everyone enjoys a great weekend. A lot of stuff going on in the wrestling world this weekend. PWG on Saturday. Wrestle Circus. Um, AAW. This upcoming Monday, a big show for WCPW where the Prestige Faction takes on the Bullet Club. That should be an awesome collision. And next Thursday, people, is going to be our biggest show of the year. Why? It's our full preview prediction show for WrestleMania weekend. I will not be here in New York to do the show of WrestleMania week. I will be in Orlando at the time. Same goes for Ryan. So next week, here on itsyourradio.com, we're going to preview and predict the entire weekend of WrestleMania. All the shows we're going to. We're going to preview and predict Progress. We're going to preview and predict uh, Revolution Pro Wrestling. We're going to preview and predict Evolve. We're going to predict um, NXT TakeOver. We're going to predict Supercard of Honor. And, of course, we're going to give our big predictions for WrestleMania 33. You do not want to miss our show. It should be awesome next week here on itsyourradio.com. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'm Brian Sendek. He's Ryan Martorano. If you happen to miss us live, don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes and Stitcher. To follow us on social media, Twitter at Royal Ramble IYR, Facebook.com slash Royal Ramble Wrestling, and on Instagram at Royal Ramble Wrestling. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. We'll see you next Thursday for the big WrestleMania show. I'm Brian Sendek, and he's Ryan Martorano.